Welcome back to Awkward and Black, guys. Hope all of you guys have been doing well. Have you been doing well? Oh, it's been a good two weeks. It's been a great two weeks. I've never had a two weeks with such so much topics. There's so much good shit that happened in two weeks. To be honest, I was looking forward to this. I'm not gonna lie. I've been look, I've been looking forward. I don't say that a lot, but I've been looking forward to this. Oh That's a my good thing. god. I have a lot of things I want to say today, but no, I think it's um it's a good day. It's actually been raining all week here, um, or most of the week here, I should yeah, say. Yeah, it has. Um, but it's all right. We're still semi-lockdown, so, you know, Ontario is Ontario. Ontario going to Ontario, like Florida going to Florida, so it's perfectly fine. Um, but we do have some good news for you guys. Uh, we've come up with another segment. So we already have the, uh, the clap of the month there which I, I love. And we come up with another segment just called simply I Hated Him. I think every <laughs> week we come on here, we dish out topics of literally describing why we hated him. And we thought it was only appropriate to come up with a segment we hated him. It's literally just going to be me listing down my topics, Brittany listing down her topics um, individually, just describing why we hated him, to be honest. Um, and with no holes bars, just to get right into it, right off the smack, the first topic I want to bring up is, um, Shakaria Richardson versus the Olympics of why I hated him, to be honest. Um, so I know I'm coming straight out, Chaser. I'm sorry. I'm sure you're like two minutes in and you're already, this is what we want to do today. There's a lot. So I'm just, no, no room for the fluff like Dragon Ball Z. Um, <laughs> let's open up the Shakaria Richards versus the Olympics conversation. So Shakaria Richards appeared about three weeks ago, all over social media. She was this, she was this black girl from the United States, track runner, beautiful girl. I think what made her iconic is that she had the long nails, she had the orange hair, and she represented a culture of black people and a culture of black women that often doesn't get represented on the main stage of media outside of mm -hmm. maybe hip-hop right um i know that me being caribbean i will have to bring up the fact i know americans like to pretend like they're first but i gotta bring it up jamaicans did this first um if you go back shelly ann frazier go back to the 80s even before her jamaican women have always shown up in their dance hall best um so it's not nothing new but Let's let her celebrate her win for this, right? So I think the image of Shakaria Richards and when she was when she when she won and she was she was in her qualifying rounds at the Olympics, by the way, sorry. And when she won the qualifying rounds while setting a record for the qualifying rounds, she ran up to go hug her grandmother, and that's why people loved her so much. Um, she also has a background story of her mother um, just recently passed before the Olympics, and that's why she ran up to hug her grandmother and had that emotional moment, and it touched my heart, touched everyone's heart, and. I really I like um, Shakaria Richards. I like the way she I like the way she handles herself. I like her confidence. When I see her interviews after she races, and she just tells you as a woman, like I'm the best. I'm here because of my talent. I'm the best. I love that. I love. But apparently, the fact she, that she found out her mother died after she ran at her trials. It wasn't before. It was thank after. So from a reporter. So she went and hugged her grandmother because her grandmother is the one who raised her, and then mm. a reporter apparently said told her that her mother had died after she had just like created this record mm. so okay 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 
My, my mistake, my mistake. And I think one of the things that stood out to me as I was saying is just her confidence. I liked mm. her. I like to see my athletes cocky. That's how I like my athletes to be cocky. Um, so I, I liked her. I think a lot of people resonated with her. She had a huge fan base. Um, leading up, well, following that um, recently, I think it was about a week and a half ago, um, she did Olympic testing, as everybody has to do, right, that we're aware of. And THC, or marijuana, was found in her testing, her urine. He was given a suspension for 30 days, mm -hmm. which I believe will still allow her to compete in her track meet, actually. I believe. Potentially, yes. yeah. But she was potentially. But she was given a suspension for 30 days um, from the Olympics. Um, following after that, she came out and she took full responsibility for it, which I, I loved. It shows that she's a responsible athlete. It shows that it shows that she's an adult. She came out and she said, it is my fault. I chose to do this. Um, I will accept the consequences for what I did. She later explained in a side interview that the reason why she did it was to deal with the passing of her mom. I think we can all come to being anybody especially a parent and we can all understand why a little bit of marijuana will just take the stress off plus you're dealing with the fact that you're in the olympics and the pressure of representing an entire country i think anybody with a little bit of empathy can understand that that concept there um now she did admit to it she did say it's her fault and that was it i, I it was settled at that point at that point uh black twitter erupted and black twitter came out and black twitter was talking about the fact that this was racism that this was not fair, that this was racism, that weed is now legal, and this is completely unfair, and how dare you suspend her, and you're only doing this because she's black, and you're pushing back the goalposts for black people. You wouldn't do this if she was white. I know a lot of people on social media were saying about how cocaine only stays in your system for four days or something, while weed stays in there for like two months, and so white people can do cocaine, but black people can't do weed, and it was a whole bunch of that going on. As the dust cleared, I sat back and I didn't say anything. And I thought about it. And I didn't understand what the uproar was about. Let me explain. Because I know black Twitter likes to do groupthink. And black Twitter... Yeah, it's a lot of groupthink and it's a lot of no accountability. Which is one thing I don't like on black Twitter. I love black Twitter for a lot of things. But I think the no accountability is just I don't like. Now, I've been on this earth for 31 years. As far as I've been on this earth, the Olympics has always, I want to repeat that again, always had archaic rules for testing. The Olympics has always deemed any kind of, any kind of pills that you take can be seen as a steroid. This has always been a thing. I think almost every year of the Olympics, there is somebody from some country who has something happen or is let out or is disqualified or suspended for various things. I think there's an article about a woman eating a pig and the pig had hormones in it. So this has always happened. This is no shock to nobody. Uh, being a Canadian, I remember Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson actually did take steroids, by the way, but mm -hmm. yes. And when Ben Johnson was caught, we as black Canadians, we didn't say shit. We were actually more mad at him for doing the drugs and then going up there and representing us as Caribbean Canadians. We were kind of pissed off about it. I think it was when the news media in Canada decided to describe him as Jamaican and not Canadian. 
after he represented his country and he was the fastest man in the world and they had him on Canadian cereal boxes and commercials mm -hmm. and they flaunted him around the country and then to say he's not Canadian, he's Jamaican. That was the racism. But him being disqualified from the Olympics and them taking away his titles after he won them, that wasn't racism. He fucked up. Do I feel for Shakaria Richards? Yes. Do I understand why somebody would smoke weed if their parents die and if they have the stress of being in the Olympics? Yes. I smoke weed too. I fully understand that. I think what is happening here is a lot of black Twitter is having an ethnocentric moment where they're looking at the world from their point of view. I just want to explain this. Weed is legal in Canada, in the Netherlands, and in a couple countries in the United the Olympics is not America. The Olympics is not the West. The Olympics is the world. It's the world. The majority of countries in the world, weed is not legal. The far majority of countries in the world, weed is not legal. Weed is not even legal all through the United States. So when you're making these arguments about weed is legal, people are being released, why is she being charged? That's a US issue. You have to look outside of yourself. It's not a world issue. Second of all, as I said, the Olympics has always had these archaic rules. Do I think that the Olympics should look at some of their rules and change them? Yes. And I think that's the argument. I don't think Shakara, Shakara should get off because if the Olympics, and we've got to think about this. If the Olympics let Shakara Richards off, now they have to let everybody off. Now you're going down a long rabbit hole of issues now because you got to let everybody off. So do I believe that the Olympics has archaic rules? Yes, completely I do. Do I believe that the Olympics needs to bring their rules into the 21st century? Because what the Olympics does is all drugs are, are, off, are, are off the market, every single drug. Do I think that there's certain drugs, there's drugs that women have to deal with for their menstrual cycles? There's, is there not drugs that people who are athletes may have to deal with for their, for their sicknesses and illnesses? Is there not anxiety-driven drugs that athletes might need? Yes. Do I think the Olympics needs to look through and maybe redefine what the rules are for 2021? Yes, I do. Do I think that that is a conversation that can be happened not with Shakara in mind? Yes, I do. Do I think Shakara should get a pass? No. If they give her a pass, they get everybody a pass. Now we're going into different territory here. I like the way Shakara handled it. I think she handled it right. I think this is this is a this this is this is this is a Beyonce versus Beehive issue. And I always make this standpoint. Mm -hmm. I don't hate Beyonce. I don't mind Beyonce's music. I'm not a Beyonce fan, but I don't hate Beyonce. But it's the Beyonce fandom, it's the Beehive that makes me therefore hate Beyonce. And I feel like the people on Black Twitter after Shakira already said it's my fault, after any logical, reasonable person that I've listened to in the past two weeks on any podcast was kind of saying the same thing as me, it just is arguing about. It's people on Black Twitter that are making me hate this topic. But, Brittany, what do you think? So I think the one conversation that got brought up is they everyone started talking about the suspension that Michael Phelps had back in 2009 when a photo of him was released smoking from a bong. And he did confirm that it was authentic. They wanted to know why is it that he was allowed to participate in the Olympics at that time. So before we get into that, she is uh, Shakari Richardson will be able to participate in the 4x4 relay. So she most likely will still get to run in the 4x4 100 relay, but 
her positive test does disqualify her from her winning time for the 100. So she will not be able to run the 100. It also took away her record-breaking time. So that time now does not exist. So she did not break any records. She loses that. That, that She's accepted that. She's accepted that, that though. She's accepted the fact that she will be disqualified from that. And as well as the fact that her time has been taken away from her. But she will most likely be able to participate in the four by four, like the four relay for the hundred, which is, I think is awesome. Back to Michael Phelps. So in 2009, everyone knows that Michael Phelps had a picture come out of him smoking from a bong, but he was allowed to participate in the Olympics. So let's break down some things here. First off, when Phelps was suspended in February of 2009, six months after the Olympics, it was after and five months before the 2009 so he got suspended six months after the 2008 olympics and then he was and then it was five months before the 2009 world championships Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. richardson's suspension goes into effect less than a month before the start of the 2021 tokyo games we're just going to put that out there so when it comes to the two different situations richardson ingested the weed that she had in the state of oregon where it's legal to have weed so it's legal there Whereas Phelps in the image came out with a not with non-medical use of marijuana, which is illegal nationwide. So even though that's there, it doesn't appear to actually like have anything to do with it. But what they're claiming is, is that the, the stuff that happened to Phelps was actually far more, I guess, strict than what happened to Richardson because she just got a 30 day suspension. So black Twitter, if we're going to be comes- calling out racism, <laughs> let's please get the facts, please. So when it comes to what happened, Ultimately, you can actually be suspended for up to two years for testing positive for weed. You can be suspended for two years. So if you get it in your system, yeah, but the funny thing is, is that when Phelps tested, not only, you know, not only did that happen, he actually ended up losing sponsorship deals um, and he ended up having people pull like things from him. So it was like, yo, like we're not, we can't sponsor you. He lost a lot of money. Ultimately, his image got so distorted and destroyed that he lost far more than just 30 days. So, yeah, he got suspended, yes, but he still got to participate. She still will be able to participate in one of these things, but it's not as if that she's lost as much when you actually weigh out the two. But when, in my perspective, the not fact even that close, she, Brittany. Not even close. She lost her qualifying. Right. She just time. lost her qualifying time. She can stick. She can still go to the Olympics in the relay and kill it. And she can still have a real time. It's not a qualifying time. So what has people mad is they're like, oh, but Phelps' times never were taken away from him. It's like, well, they can't be because when he went in for the Olympics, he didn't test positive for marijuana. So you can't take away times unless you have a positive test. So he didn't lose any of his records because the weed was no longer in his system. Black Twitter. When you come out with these claims and the group mob mentality... Check the facts, please. I've been waiting to have this conversation. So ultimately, what people are trying to say is, listen, she ingested the marijuana in a state where it's legal, Oregon. But for the Olympic Committee, it doesn't matter if you ingest it anywhere in a legal part of the state, because like you said, the Olympics is the world. It is not America. They're like, no. But she getting a 30-day suspension is better than two years because she can still go to the Olympics and participate. So, okay, she lost her qualifying time. She can come back again and hopefully even beat that or set it again. 
So to me, it's a little bit different. Like, you know, it's it's interesting when you think about these whole the whole doping records, because case in point, there is another American, uh, another American Olympian named Brianna McNeil. And she actually has an actual five. A court upheld a five year suspension for her five years. And here's the thing, guys. She never tested positive for doping. She actually had had an abortion and Mm -hmm. she missed the drug test. And they said that maybe she altered records, but you can't alter a record if you never had the test. It was highly personal. And also, just just so you guys know, I don't know if any of you guys know this, you're not actually uh, required by, you're not required to tell the Olympic Committee if you have an abortion. You aren't, because that is highly personal. So obviously, if the officials come to your house, you have just had a procedure where drugs are put into your system to put you under. Are you, you, sometimes you get sick afterwards. You can be in pain afterwards. You're obviously not going to get up. Mm. And the fact that they want to suspend her for five years is, re- is really, really crappy. Because it got upheld. So like a week or two ago, the court upheld her suspension. Like she's not going to Tokyo. It doesn't matter that it wasn't actually for doping. And she missed the test two days after she had an abortion. She was in bed recovering. So she did not go up to answer the door. And it's like, but she didn't, she didn't actually, yes, okay, I understand she missed it. I get it. But seriously, like that's bullshit. I, I understand why you hated her. Um, I feel like, wow, wow. I saw this when you posted when you posted this to me um earlier this week. Mm-hmm. I really didn't have anything to say then. It's it's uh, uh the same way I said if they let Shakara Richards off, they're setting a precedent and they need to come yeah. up with formal rules before they do that. Is the same way how them doing this to this woman is setting a precedent, not in a good way. This this is yeah. Um, I do think that there is a valid argument that I think a lot of people should be making right now mm-hmm. for the Olympic Council to update some of their rules and policies. I oh. think that should be the argument. There's a valid argument that people should be bringing up across the board. And I know you have other things you want to bring up in regards. You want to talk about the Olympic Committee that's, updating the rules and regulations. Okay, let's talk about the fact that, that swim should caps be that the were argument designed, we should be having right now. Swim caps that were designed for black people for their hair have been banned at the Olympics. Because I apparently, apparently, superior athletes don't need swim caps that do that. That do what? What do you mean? It's a cap, that right? Per- that cover your head. All the athletes, but don't that all the athletes wear swim your caps? head. It was the, the inter. Okay, listen. To- okay, let me just tell you. So, a company that specializes in making swimming caps to cover cover natural black black hair said that the International Swimming Federation had rejected an application for its products to be certified for competition ahead of the Tokyo Olympics. It's by the company Soul Cap. But then also, Tokyo also said they weren't going to allow it because they're saying that swimmers who are at an elite level do not need caps of that size for their hair. Okay, okay. So hold on, hold on. Let me, let me break it down. Let me break it down. So there's a company that was making... Okay, as far as I've been around, as far as I've been alive, um, I've always seen swimmers wear caps, male and female, I believe, mm-hmm. if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're telling me there's a company that makes caps that are much larger 
to fit um, black women yeah. who have much thicker and, and larger Love more hair. hair. Let's say their hair and, is not short and, if it's in braids or whatever it is. Or if yeah. it's out. What is the... So what do you want them to do if the if their Wear hair the can't fit ones. in the others? Make it fit in the other ones. But it's a swim cap. Now, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I, I can see two arguments here, and I'm trying to figure out which one it is. So... There is the race argument, and I'll get to that in a second. But there's also an economic argument that I think is happening, and I just want to see if you're on the same page as me. The swim caps that they want them to use, mm-hmm. are they somehow connected to the financial profit of those swim no, caps? No, they're are just those a swim, swim caps cap. regulated through them? Is that they're why they want them to They're regulated for the Olympic them? Committee because they're supposed to... They say that the swim caps for natural black hair do not form to the... They, what is it? The natural form of the head. No, no, no. So I, I, you, I, I understand no, no, no. the bullshit that they're saying. I get that. You can't. It's just a swim cap. It's not like it has no money or anything like that. It's not about that. What they're trying to no, say. No, 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 is, no. That, that's not what I'm saying. I, I understand that the bullshit that they're spewing. But I'm asking, the swim caps that are regulated by the Olympics mm-hmm. are those also sold to the teams by the Olympics? Does the Olympics make? It doesn't state that, that, so I can't answer that because it okay, doesn't state that's that. What I'm but okay. what I do know is that they're saying that because the cap designed for thicker curly hair does not follow the natural form of the head, it's not performance enhancing. That doesn't again, make any sense. Again, the conversations that we need to be having doesn't make any sense. Is in regards to the Olympics. Versus their rules and regulations. These are the conversations that people around the world need to be having. Shakaria Richards already admitted her fault. Michael Phelps received worse. You've just ran through a few of these now. We need to have conversations in regards to the Olympics updating their rules and regulations because yeah. this is ridiculous. That's what it is. That's the main argument. I don't think it make any sense be to added me. to that because weed is still a drug in most countries. But I think in terms of the caps, in terms of the woman who had a child, I think these are conversations we need to be having. And in terms of women taking drugs for their menstrual cycle, for athletes taking drugs for anxieties, these are drugs, these are, sorry, conversations we need to start having. I think it's just sad and very stupid because it's a, it's an easy discussion to have. The fact that there is so much pushback just for a cap to fit a swimmer's head and their hair, saying that, saying that elite, elite athletes do not require that size of cap. Elite athletes. That's white athletes. So, yeah, exactly. That's it's crap. Crap. Do we have anything else that the Olympics is fucking up? Uh no, that's it. That's it. Jesus Christ. Okay. That's pretty much it. Another, that's okay. That's okay. I have to another topic another for you, <laughs> Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go for it. Do you want to talk about that guy who apparently wants to be Korean? Yes. Yes, I do. Because I do this. Oh, my God. Okay. Before so. we start this, Brittany, I want to give you, you just... the full room. But I want to say. <laughs> Why are you holding it up? You holding the mic because I made a prediction. I made a prediction. God. Okay. We were having an earlier episode. And I said, we're going to get to a point in this climate where people are going to want to be transracial. I brought up Rachel Dozal as a little example. You have that other guy. There's another there's, there's another white guy who got some type of thing to look light skin. Oh my god, he's always all over Twitter. 
Oh my God, he's all over Twitter. He's always getting people to buy his stupid book. There's him. But now, we have another transracial person not affecting black people. Thank fucking God. Asians have fun with this one. I have seen, okay, when I went to college, I went to Sheridan College in Oakville, which was a very artsy college, even though I wasn't there for an artsy program, a liberal arts student. And that was the first time in my life I seen a white kid who was very into anime, which a lot of people are, black kids, white kids. Anime is a very popular genre. And he was very into anime. And he decided to slant his eyes. And I saw this in 2008. And I knew we would get to this point. Go ahead, Bernie. So there is an influencer who is from the United Kingdom. I believe his name is Derek. Derek. And, um, well... He went under multiple surgeries to look like a member from BTS. BTS, if you guys don't know, is a massive, massive boy group out of South Korea. They are hella popular. They even have a meal at McDonald's called the BTS meal. (laughs) Okay? They're huge. They are hella popular because I know about BTS (laughs) and I don't listen to any K-pop. Like, they're they're, they're massive. So this this influencer from the UK decided to, he wanted to look like the member Park Jimin. I'm probably saying the last name wrong. I am sorry. Because he says, oh, by the way, he this this influencer is white. Isn't, so isn't I forgot to group? even say that. So the influencer, it, he is he is a white male, like this Caucasian. This is a group where all the dudes look like lesbians, right? And I've said this to you many times. <laughs> they don't look like lesbians. They just have like severely like perfected hair and like wear makeup. Listen, but anyway, listen, I have, hold I have on. Nothing let, against it, but I just think the beauty standards in East Asia when it comes to men are, are a little awkward are, for me. But they're they're but. different. So I, I don't know if I mentioned this. He is a white male. He is Caucasian. And he want, he says that he identifies as a non-binary Korean person. I'm loving this. I'm salivating off this. I love it. Go ahead. So this individual has decided. So they had a lot of things done. They had procedures, including done on their eyes. They had a brow lift. And they said that they're claiming to be transracial. So like they had nose job. They've had like their lips done, their eyes. I wish you guys could see this picture. Um, And they are now saying that they, oh, so they now prefer their pronouns. They prefer to be identified as them, Korean, Jimin, which is the actual name of the member from BTS, or, or Ko backslash Ren. So like Korean, but- Can can the guy from BTS, Jimin, can he sue for um oh my god, what's it called? You know, you know when somebody says something that's untrue about you as a celebrity. You mean for slander? You... That's slander. Yeah, like, they, like if someone says something untrue yeah, but like, and like says these like, things like, and spreads There's like another it. one that's about like ruining your image, right? Like, can you sue for that? Because it's essentially his image. I don't know if he actually can sue for it. He doesn't look anything like him. They uh, well, they don't look anything like them. But this person, this per, this individual, genuinely believes that they are, 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 are that they are Korean. Oh my God! Do they speak I, Korean? Do they learn the language? Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I like anime, right? Mm-hmm. We all know that here. I love me some anime. I love reading a manga. I'm about that. But it doesn't mean that I believe that I'm something I'm not. You know what it is. Like it's, you know it's, what it is. This is messed up to me because no, you don't get to just claim that you are a different race. 
You can't do that. And you can't be like, I'm going to go get surgeries and do all these things. And like, I, that's ridiculous. You Here's know, the you thing. Know, this, this individual seems as if they're actually suffering from much more severe internal and mental and body issues than them trying to go. change their actual race. And I believe that they genuinely need to get help for that. Changing your race and trying to pretend to be somebody else because this person pretty much says that they want to look like someone else so that they can be someone else. This is a case where I believe this individual actually needs to get help instead of trying to yep. change who they are. Like it, everyone suffers through many, many things. And I actually feel bad for this, for, for, for them because they should, they shouldn't have to want to change themselves to look like someone else to feel better. Yeah. Okay. I, I understand that there are going to be people like, Oh, but you can get any surgery you want. You can do it. Yeah, you totally can. But you're going to tell me that you're going to change your entire, you're going to try and change your entire race and claim to be transracial for what reason? There's something else going on. You want to go get surgery and go get your nose done, your boobs done, whatever it is, get fillers. I do not care, but I'm hoping you're not doing it so that you can look like somebody else so that other people accept you because you're the one who has to accept yourself for who you are. This whole thing, this is messed up. You know, you know what it is? And I just thought about this. I just want to have this conversation or open it up to this conversation to see what you think, actually. This has always been there. This mentality of wanting to be something you're not has always been there. Racially and culturally. Let me explain. Um, back back in our era, you know, mm -hmm. before social media, um, we always had this, right? There there was always people, especially when we got to our preteens and teens ages, there was always people who engulfed themselves in a certain culture. There's nothing wrong with that. So, for instance, you might have a white person who grows up loving hip-hop or R&B music or dancehall music or soca music, whatever black music is out there, right? Mainly hip-hop when I was growing up. And there are some white people who like hip-hop, but they're still themselves. Mm -hmm. There are some white people who like hip-hop and they grow up in a certain area and therefore themselves is naturally a product of the area. Nothing wrong with that either. Right. And then there are some white people that we've all met who grow up with hip hop and then they start to portray all the negative aspects of black culture. And then they start to adapt all the negative aspects of black culture. And then they start to adapt the, the, the style, the dress, the walk, the image, literally in our era, it was everything but blackface. And then they were, and then they start slightly referring to themselves as being black or being somehow part of black culture because of their adornment of it. Mm. seen this i've seen i've seen white kids do this to asian culture when i was growing up i've seen white kids do this to black culture i've i know a black person who did this to white culture i have actually seen this type of shit that's always been around i think the only difference is now now because of the availability of plastic surgery and the advancements in the medical in medical industry and science industry, you now have people who can actually go and get the surgeries done, whether it's pigment surgeries or there's plastic surgery. So now you can truly commit to your fascination, which is the deadly part. Because before, people just looked at you as a fool. We didn't think that. But now you can actually present as that race. It's very interesting. It's, it's interesting, very interesting, but I also think it's dangerous. That's like I said that I believe that if if you believe that you're trying to change your overall self, your race included, 
I genuinely think that there's something else much deeper going on than it just being an outwardly appearance thing. Especially if you're trying to actually like embody it. Like I think that's dangerous because who says that not in 10, 15 years you're going to regret every choice that you made because no one actually told you that maybe you need to talk to somebody first, speak to a professional, maybe work through whatever issues that you have to take that time to find out if you're really doing this for yourself, if you're just doing it because right now your own brain is fighting against you. I have a side conversation I want to bring up today. I'm just so saying. I'm glad you brought that point. No, 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 no. That, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. I have a side conversation I want to bring up. I don't want to spend too much time on it. I know we got other mm-hmm. things, but I just want to get your point on this. So, and I told you about this. I'm just going to bring it up for the reference of the, of the podcast here. So, my niece was with me maybe like a month ago now, right? My mm-hmm. niece is 12 years old. She's a preteen. So, she was telling me, nonchalantly by the way that at her school the way she started <laughs> off was she was telling me that at her school um there was a guy and a girl that got married you know and we, I, we had this shit when i was in school people would get married at recess in like grade five and six and you know it would, it would last two more recesses and they'd break up so i'm laughing <laughs> and i'm listening to the story right then yeah. she tells me that they broke up after a few, after four months or something, and then the guy in the relationship went to go date another guy who was two grades older than him. So he was in grade four, and the other kid was in grade six. And they dated for like eight months, and she's telling it to me nonchalantly. And I was amazed by that. Then she tells me that they've been dating for a year, eight months or a year so far. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm inquisitive. I'm like, does everybody know? And she goes, yeah, all the teachers know. The whole school knows. And I'm like, oh, also oh, that that's just normal. And she's like, yeah, that's absolutely normal. Well, what do you mean? And I was like, the fact that she didn't see anything wrong with it. I'm like, listen, that means that we are coming to a point where people being of LGBTQ is becoming normal, which is what we essentially wanted, right? And mm-hmm. it's happened very quick, because when I was her age, that wasn't the thing, and that was 20 years ago, right? I'm 20 years older than her. So it's happening very quick, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing, right? So she's telling me the story, and I was like, wow. Well, okay, and I'm like, and I'm like, is there a lot of... Um, is there a lot of same-sex couples? And she goes, yeah, yeah, some of the guys will date the guys and then go and date girls and vice versa. And I was like, wow, I didn't see that. Then she's telling me about how she has another friend who um, she's a demi-boy. So I'm like, what's a demi-boy? I'm thinking it's some type of god. I have no thing, idea what right? that is. She's telling me the demi-boy is her friend now takes on the portrayal of a man. So she changed her name. She wants to be called as the man's name. But she hasn't cut anything off or committed to anything because they're in fucking grade six, right? So I'm like, oh, do her parents know? She goes, no. But everybody in the school knows and, you know, everybody addresses her like that. And I was so shocked about the comfortability of it. And I said, wow, we've really made progress as a human society. The fact that this is so normal. Mm -hmm. I never thought this would happen. Because I grew up in the age where the teachers would call you the F word that rhymes with maggot. And then by the time I got to grade 10, then they wanted everyone to be to like be accepting. And it didn't really work out for my generation because they already taught us wrong. So this is amazing to me. But then what you just said a while ago, right? And I was having a convo with you earlier about this. I'm like, these kids that she goes to school with, they're grade eight and younger. They're 13 and younger doing this, right? She said Mm -hmm. from grade four, from what I heard, up to grade eight, basically. Okay. And in my mind, I was like, what if these kids are making decisions that they themselves are not ready for, right? 
Because me, me and you were cracking jokes about how, like, what's going to happen years from now when... Because, for instance, when, when I was coming up, you might have ran into a couple girls who might have been like, oh, I had a lesbian experience, and I was kind of normal. And so now girls are going to have to deal with guys that have had homoerotic experiences. Mm -hmm. And girls are going to have to accept that. And in my mind, I was like, women are not going to accept that. But judging on her generation, they it might like actually accept that. But the thing that I'm wondering about is when it comes to these kids, what if, because at, at such a young age, mm -hmm. you're making choices based off what everybody else is doing. You're just young. When I was young, I did the same thing. We all did the same thing. It's the, it's the school environment, right? So I'm like, what happens when these kids reach 18 and they realize that I'm not gay or I'm not straight, but... I was doing these activities and doing these gay and straight activities when I was younger, and now I regret a lot of this shit. You see, that's why I think saying a while ago. That's why I think it's very much to have that, that. But that's why I think it's important to have that conversation. So, I think that if you are a parent or somebody else who's talking to you about it, and you realize that your child may be either experimenting, if you do realize that, of course, if they tell you to actually have that conversation, it doesn't mean that they have to label themselves immediately. It could be something where they instead, they tell you how they're feeling and you have an open dialogue. Having that open dialogue for them to be able to have that conversation with you is important. Now, the flip side of that is you, you can't force them to stop. You have to let them, I guess, express themselves up until they start to be able to make a decision that's purely based on the way that they actually feel. I think that in the fourth grade, it's a little bit young because I don't really know if in the fourth grade you can really understand yeah, what you're actually choosing to do. I because I don't in the fourth grade, I didn't know any of that. And it has nothing to do with just growing up the way that I did. It's just that I didn't have that type of mental capacity to actually understand so when, the types of choices and decisions I would have been making if I was in that predicament. When, when that I age. was in the fourth grade, the biggest thing was coming back in September and finding out that some girl from grade three had mosquito bites on her chest. Like, literally, that's how, that's what sexuality was in the fourth and fifth right. grade. Right, now it's obvious, that, it's, it's that changed, redundant. and that's why I'm saying that having those conversations is important from the time that they are children all the way through adolescence, because if you end up going into adulthood and you are suffering from something, I'm not saying that having any form of mental health issue is something that you can't work through, but I'm not saying it's a mental health issue. You could just actually be confused, and it's okay if you're confused. You just need to be able to talk about it to help with the confusion. But you know what? I, I'm just going to make a prediction. I feel like by the time we're 60, you know, mm -hmm. another 30 years or so from now, I feel like the entire world will have a general, or the entire Western world, I should say, will have a general mindset of bisexuality as a complete mm -hmm. normative. Because if yeah. that's the way this generation is coming up, then in 30 years from now, when this generation is 30 and everybody else is coming up underneath them, I feel like most of the world is going to have, like, the, the way the way that um, heterosexuality is the normative, yes. bisexuality would be the normative. Because that's the right. only way, that's the only way that this would actually work. No, no, I'm saying you're probably that's right. The, but that's I... the only way that these kids wouldn't, wouldn't get older and feel some sort of regret. Is if right, exactly. Is but that's why I'm saying that right now, if they feel like regretting it, it's important to have them have a conversation so that they can have open dialogue. It's not to shut it down and to tell them to stop it. It's about, okay, tell me how you feel. Like, what is it? Talk to them. And then that way, as they get older, they realize that they can have these conversations and be able to figure it out for themselves instead of feeling as if that they're being forced to like make a choice or being told that they can't be who they believe they are. Because yeah. that that's not healthy. What's healthy is to actually have that dialogue. We didn't have that dialogue as kids. 
being able to have that dialogue now and to have those conversations allows the children to know, you know what, this is a safe space. I can talk to them and it helps. Mm -hmm. So like, I would rather have that conversation than be like, no, you can't do that. No, just talk to me. What is it? Okay. Like, ex like, explain it to me. Be open to the conversation. Because once you shut it down, you lose their trust like that and they're done talking to you. And that's worse. I agree. I agree. Okay. I have, a, I have another reason for why I hate it here. Are you done with, with, your, with your topic? Oh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> okay. I have another reason for why I hate it here. And like I said, I was coming out the gate with the heavy hitters. I wasn't holding back today. There's just too much bullshit. Bill Cosby got released from prison. <laughs> Cliff motherfucking oh Huxtable. And the black male hotep crowd has gone bonkers defending Bill Cosby over this shit. Okay, I everywhere I go, Bill Cosby, da 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 Okay. So, I'm not um, a legal professional. Uh, Brittany halfway is. But let me verbalize <laughs> what basically happened here. So, the way the story went is the prosecutor and the judge have a history of beef. They do not like each other. Okay. Now, that's kind of been out in the air, but the way the story went is, and people said this in the very beginning, when Bill Cosby was being accused of this shit, because it was 30 years ago, the, uh, what's it called? The license, the, uh, what's the word called? Um, what's it the called? Statute of Wait, limitations? You, stat, thank you, thank you. The statute of You're limitations welcome. was up, right? So, and people said that from the very beginning, that the most they can do is try to get money out of Bill Cosby in civil court, but they can't do anything in a criminal court. Because statute of limitations was up. Everybody said this. And that's why you had him settle with the girl in Canada and I think somebody else for some money because he didn't want to deal with it. Then a decade later was when all these women came out and that was the Me Too movement that happened about three, or three four years ago to Bill Cosby and a few other people. And a woman came out the woodwork saying that Bill Cosby did this, did this, did this. Now, the decade before that, there was a deposition where Bill Cosby admitted that he did used to drug women, but that was the culture back then with, with the Quaaludes. So I just want, I'm just working this off facts here. Bill Cosby admitted that he used to drug women and fuck them. Mm -hmm. Point, case, done, period. It's over. All the hotep black males out there defending Bill Cosby as part of their manhood, it's over. Nothing left to be said. Because he, mm, he admitted it. That's why what, it's a bit What are different. we discussing? What are we discussing? Nothing. It's, like, like at least with OJ, we know OJ did it, but he didn't admit it. This nigga admitted it. It's over. Now, once he admitted it, Bill Cosby is forever guilty. That doesn't mean he should be in jail. I just want to put that out there. But everyone defending Bill Cosby, he said he did it. Now, people are going to say, oh, well, that was the culture back then. It's like smoking weed. That doesn't make it right. The culture 100 years ago was if you had an argument with somebody and go rape their wife that doesn't make it right the culture 50 years ago was if you didn't like a black person you could frame them for for for, for raping a young white girl and go hang them beat them castrate their balls and put it in their mouth emmett till or even with other white girl that was the culture so if you're trying to tell me that the culture back then quaaludes was just a party drug and everybody did it okay well then i guess rape and hanging and all this other shit hey that was the culture back then so you're contradicting yourself. But they're not going to see it that way. You know that. Okay. So I just want to put these two points out there. Let's just ease that away from the hotep crowd. <laughs> now that we lean off the hoteps, let's get into the real conversation. So because of that being said, Bill Cosby was essentially wrongly put in prison. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
his team fought and he got out of prison. Rightfully so. Do I believe that Bill Cosby is innocent? No, I believe he's guilty. Do I believe that Bill Cosby should be in prison based off the judicial laws that they have in America? No, he should be free. So he's guilty, but he should be free. It's a hard thing to, to swallow, but it is what it is. But people who are defending him, I don't get. Now, Bill Cosby is free, and I'm sure Bill Cosby is going to sue. Um, I, know, I know you can't sue a judge and you can't sue an attorney, but he will sue the city. And I'm pretty sure he'll get his... I'm pretty sure he'll get his money. And I'm pretty sure at the end of it, Bill Cosby to wash his hands clean, Pontius Pilate style, will probably donate the majority of his money to some black college. So even though he was a dirtbag, a bunch of black kids will still be able to go to school. That's what I yeah, think but Bill donations Cosby's going to do to clean the, You get given a tax credit for donations. So even if he donates the money, he's going to get it right back. Well, I don't care if he gets it back. He'll be dead anyway. No, I'm just saying, I'm saying it's the funny. Fact it's that he's like, putting these kids through school. Oh, no, I'm just laughing because when you said Pontius Pilate's like redeem himself, it's yeah, he'll give the money away and then he'll get it right back. Yeah, his family will probably get it back. Anyway. That's why I'm. That's now, why I said that. <laughs> now, Bill Cosby gonna die anyways. He's already legally blind and a bunch of other things. His wife already left him. Um, now here becomes um, the issue that I had with it. I have no issue with Bill Cosby being free. As I said, he can be free. It's fine. The, if anything, the legal system fucked up. They should have just got him for the money. But I'm pretty sure it was a few lawyers who wanted to make a name for themselves. Let's go after Bill Cosby right out the gate. We'll be the next Johnny Cochran's. You know how it goes. I get it. Now, Felicia Richard, Bill Cosby's wife on The Cosby Show has been defending Bill Cosby along with Eddie Griffin and other people since the beginning, guys. Felicia Richard was defending Bill Cosby a decade ago and is defending Bill Cosby now. She's always consistently said he didn't do it and it was some miraculous thing with the government. Now, let me touch on this for a quick second. Everyone that says that Bill Cosby tried to buy NBC in the 80s and therefore they've been trying to get rid of him ever since, can we please stop this conversation? First of all, if you wanna buy NBC, NBC has to sell it to you. I, this is, again, this is one of those things that happen on Black to Everybody Group Things. NBC has to want to sell it to you. You can't just show up and say, hey, I have money to buy your business. I can say, okay, I don't want to sell. What are you going to do? Take it from me? Bill Cosby essentially was working for NBC. He built NBC to the station it is now with the Cosby Show. But he was essentially being paid by NBC. I don't see how he can buy the company that's essentially paying him, even though he built it. And I don't see why they would sell it to him. They were pretty racist back then. So I can't see NBC, a bunch of rich white men in the, in the, in the 90s and late 80s wanting to sell Bill Cosby shit. But people want to run with that. So I'll let them run with that, whatever. Do I think that the government is trying to get rid of Bill Cosby and defame his name? Not necessarily. Now, if we, if Bill Cos, if the, when the government was doing this in the '90s, and if they were doing this in the '90s and '80s, I could definitely agree with that, because that was when Bill Cosby was at his height. He had the Cosby Show, he had the Cosby TV Show. Bill Cosby was literally on talk shows. Bill Cosby had power. When the Me Too movement came around to get rid of Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby didn't have no power. Nobody cared about Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby wasn't a voice in black culture. Bill Cosby wasn't a voice in the world. Bill Cosby didn't have a number one TV show. He didn't have anything when they came around. He was just a rich black guy who was donating his money to foundations and raping women. But there was nothing for them to take from him. If they wanted to get Bill Cosby, they would have got him in the 80s and 90s. Okay, yeah. so let's leave that to the side. I know Felicia Rashad and others like to run with that. Now, 
Felicia Rashard decided to say like a right has been a wrong has been righted. I think that was her phrase. A wrong has yeah. been righted today when Bill Cosby came out of jail. Felicia Rashard is also the dean of arts at um, Howard University, and immediately Black Twitter came for her and tried to get her deanship taken from Howard University. Now, this is my opinion because I don't like cancel culture. Listen, things are going to happen in the world that most of us are going to clearly see as wrong, like Bill Cosby. But there is going to be a group of people that are going to disagree with that. And that's their opinion to disagree with that. There's people that still think that Hitler was right. Sadly, they actually do. There's people that think that slavery didn't exist. Sadly, they do. And this is their opinion. If we keep penalizing people on their opinions, we're all going to end up like Chrissy Teigen, basically, when they come to penalize you. Okay? Yep. And do I think that Felicia Rashard should use to lose her deanship? No. Do I think that these people have a right to call her out for whatever they want? Sure, call her out, say whatever you want on social media. But should you be able to take away her job and pressure the school? No. I don't know what's going to happen to Felicia Rashard, but she does go to HBCU, and Bill Cosby has affected black women mostly. I believe most of his victims were white. But, yeah, mm-hmm. most of them were white, actually. But he doesn't have a good picture of black women. So I can basically see this going downhill for Felicia, and we will see. She do everything honestly, to say about Felicia before I jump into something. Honestly, she's she's entitled to her opinion. You can't you can't constantly try and cancel and crucify somebody for their opinion. That's ridiculous. Okay, I just wanted to know we're on the same boat here. Now, Judge Joe Brown <laughs> has been getting reckless. Judge Joe Brown is at the point in his career when he obviously no longer cares. He's made all of his Judge Judy money, and he's sitting back and he doesn't give a shit no more. Um. Judge Joe Brown exposed the fact, I think about a decade ago, that Martin Luther King was actually murdered by the American government. People went to go fact check him. He exposed the fact that the Martin Luther King's family actually won the court case against the American government, but nobody ever heard about it because it was under wraps. And Judge Joe Brown exposed that. I think that was 2015. That was the beginning of I Give No Fucks Judge Joe Brown. We talked about Judge Joe Brown on the last episode. Uh, We already discussed that. Now Judge Joe Brown has come out talking about Bill Cosby. And (laughs) I wish I had the audio for this. I don't want to really repeat it. But Judge Joe Brown was basically saying in a large lump sum that these girls are groupies and they knew he was a married man. And the groupies position is to basically take the money and get fucked. And they know what it is. And back then it was drug, sex, and rock and roll. So here we go justifying shit. And back then, the groupies knew what it was. They came for the drug, sex, and rock and roll. They got fucked, mm-hmm. and they went home. Basically, see, basically also said these were low-class women that we ran through, and it was our right as celebrities, and that was part of manhood. All disrespectful shit. He doesn't care anymore. It's like Steve Harvey's cousin going, going mad over here. No, I'm just saying it's disrespectful for women to speak about them in those type of terms. But he also um, doesn't care. So if you don't care, you're not going to care about how you're talking to ex- who, about exactly. whoever and what terms. He doesn't no, I'm agree with you. I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. And he was being interviewed by Mark Lamont Hill. Now, Mark Lamont Hill was trying to talk about Bill Cosby. And every time Mark Lamont Hill asked him about Bill Cosby, he would uh, George Joe Brown would clearly say, yeah, Bill Cosby should be out of jail. Now, Judge Joe Brown was originally leaning on the fact he should be out of jail, of course, as we said, because it was the proceedings were just wrong, which we all agree with. But then when he got into the fact that these women deserved it, 
Judge Joe Brown's a wild boy. No one's actually trying to cancel him. <laughs> Nobody. It's weird. I'm kind of wondering and like how no I one think, said anything when he said that. I, like, how do you? I think you... it's because he has said some crazy. Remember, we talked about this last two weeks ago. I know. I'm just surprised. I'm just surprised. I, I think that Judge Joe Brown, because he's so old, he'll just keep. And I don't think he cares about being canceled. He's already made his money. So there's actually no way to cancel him. He's not on a show. Judge Joe Brown will continue to be the old man who just says whatever comes to his mind for the next maybe 15, 20 years. It's going to be a wild ride with this guy. I'm here for it. <laughs> I, I usually agree with him, but I didn't agree with what he said about the woman. I understand his stance, especially from the era he was in. I think Judge Joe Brown yeah, was born like in 1930-something. So I get the era he's coming from and the way that that era views women and this whole thing of being covered and all sort of bullshit. So I get it. Still disgusting. Yep. But hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't have anything to say about him. I was surprised when I even heard the segment. I didn't even listen to the whole thing. I only listened to it for like a few seconds and I was like, nah, I'm good. No, I, I know you don't got shit to say about this fool. I just want to see if you had anything, um, any topics left for why you hated him. Oh, so, okay. Y'all remember Iggy Azalea? Yes, we do. Okay. So, Iggy Azalea apparently dropped a video. Um, I can't remember what it's called for the life of me, but she's being accused of blackfishing in this video due to the fact that her skin is, like, very dark in this video. So, the, vid- the, the music video is called I-, called I Am The Strip Club. And people were talking about her appearance. So everyone, Iggy Azalea is Australian. She's actually quite fair and she's blonde naturally as we've seen her in Iggy her Azalea's career. Pale shit. Yeah. So in the video, she kind of, she has on like a black wig. It, it, if it is a wig. And she looks like Kim Kardashian. Like she's, like she looks she really look dark. Like she looks very, like looking at the imagery, she looks very not even tan. She Iggy, just looks dark. Iggy, Iggy <laughs> Azalea went from being a ginger white girl to literally a Latino woman. So in this, she's being accused of black blackfishing. And if you guys know black, if you guys don't know what blackfishing is, we actually did talk about this like way back when we first started, which is an individual who is fair, who is white normally, the ones who normally do this, who end up pretty much painting like their whole body. And presenting themselves a certain way. There was a girl in Sweden who had done it that we had talked about where she was like super, super tan all over her body and wearing her hair a certain way. And people thought that she was black, but she wasn't. Some people thought that she was like a deeper toned person who was Hispanic and she wasn't. She was actually from Sweden. So a lot of people are trying to say that what she did not only is disgusting, but she shouldn't have done it. And Azalea's clapback is saying, oh, no, I've been, she's, like, serving what? She says appropriation and, and, and brown face. Like, she hasn't, like, she's saying she hasn't done this. She's saying that she's wearing the exact same foundation that she has always worn since the beginning of her career. So, That's some are claiming that it's the lighting in the video for her appearance to look like this. They're blaming the lighting. And then one fan, this is this is actually quite funny. One fan in particular suggested that Azalea has just gotten darker over the years from things like tanning. 
And if for you people who don't see this on YouTube, I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> Azalea can't um, tan. So She's ginger. She, so she responded to the criticism, calling their claims ridiculous and baseless, adding that she's used the same shade of foundation for the last three years. She says, I can't. I can't care. This is a quote from her. I can't care about something that's ridiculous and baseless. I'm wearing a shade, a shade six in Armani foundation. It's the same shade I've worn for the last three years. She tweeted. So she's claiming that she's wearing the shade of foundation by Armani that obviously she says is a lot lighter. They're trying to say that, you know, Oh, I, I didn't do this. This is not an issue. And she says, it's the same shade I've always worn. It's because I'm wearing a black wig in the club scene. And that's why it looks so much darker. She looks, when I say she looks like Kim Kardashian, like she actually looks like she, she looks like Kim Kardashian, like on a good makeup day, which is like head to toe, completely fully tanned out, black, long, straight wig. Like she looks like Mind she's wearing you, a foundation. That's, that's, Kim that's my Kardashian's, shade. That's Kim, Karda that Kim Kardashian's natural pigment. She's Armenian, yeah. which is a country. Oh, no, no. I'm really talking about a good makeup day Asia. with the full styling. I'm talking about the full no, styling of like from the hair to the this and world, that like every so. like she looked like she looks like she's portraying her. It's you know, really crazy. You, you know what it is? But she's what? saying, that, oh, no, it's the same foundation I've always been wearing. And, and, and when I look at the imagery from the video, the fact that someone tried to say the basis of lighting is making her look that dark. I'm like, so was the video shot in the dark then? You know, you know what it is with Iggy Azalea's? Iggy Azalea. Um, I always think of Azalea Banks, but they're both in the same category. Um, Iggy Azalea <laughs> needs to stop. Stop. And what I mean by that is Iggy Azalea is the stepchild that nobody wanted of Vanilla Ice, Malibu's Most Wanted. And there was that other wigger white guy that appeared like in the early 2000s that was on MTV that had grills. And he was a whole thing. I can't remember his name. And he had a movie, sadly. Um. What I mean by that is these are just white people who attempted to get into black culture. And no matter what they did, they just were insulting and they fucked up the whole way. When Iggy Azalea first walked in, she was an Australian rapper. There is actually a whole genre of Australian drill rap. It's very similar to the hip hop that you have in the UK. They have mm -hmm. similar slang. Like mm -hmm. basically the hip hop in, in Toronto, the hip hop in the UK, the hip hop in Australia is all very much the same. Iggy Azalea could have came out as an Australian rapper. They already have a market over there. Doesn't it's she rap in like popular. a southern accent? This is where I'm going with this. Yes, she does. So when Iggy Azalea came out as an Australian rapper, she decided to basically mimic kind of Trina and basically mimic a southern Miami girl from the hood. Yeah. People found out she was Australian. Unlike Idris Elba when he was acting... People weren't actually surprised. They were more pissed the hell off. Iggy Azalea decided to get her ass done and all of that. I won't contribute that to black culture because I just don't want to anymore. Um, but Iggy Azalea basically tried to co-opt the image and the voice of specifically a Florida black girl from the hood. I think she was living in Florida for a year before she popped off her career. She got exposed. We dealt with this already. The whole thing. Now, five years later, she's come back. And instead of just being an Australian rapper, and you could rap about the same bullshit, but just be yourself. She's come back. And this is a girl who is literally the same complexion 
of the woman in Twilight. <laughs> and now she looks like Kim Kardashian, whose family comes from the Arab world, the upper Middle East. Crazy. I understand people are saying she's blackfishing because her music caters towards black people. I would be more offended if I was Arab because she looks more they're actually, Arab they're saying Spanish she's black. to me. That's what someone said. They said that but she looks she's, like she's blackfishing, but they're saying she also thinks she's imitating somebody who is Arab and yeah, or black of his but, complexion. How but wrong. Yeah, she, she's obviously trying to blackfish, but she can't go that black. So she has to stop at Arab and, and, and Latino. And I, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't get what Iggy Azalea is going for. I don't what her purpose is. You had a hit song. Then people found out that you were Australian. Then you had that. You had that. Uh, what was that? That freestyle you did on on the at a concert where it was all gibberish. Now then you got canceled. Now you came back four years later and you're still fucking it up. Just take the money, buy a property, flip it, and just make money that way. We don't like Chameleon Air. Just makes money's off stock. We don't see Chameleon Air rapping. Listen, you really don't have to do it. I just, I just wanted to stop. Toppers, and she just, she had two songs that were chart toppers. She had "Booty" with Jennifer Lopez, and then she had "Fancy." Yeah. And those two songs did like really well for her, <laughs> like really she well. Really don't need to be to the, here. She to the really point where they to the point where they're still played. People still play them and remix them. Like she she's still, like it's still there. To be here. But Fancy here's the thing, though. How else is she going to keep the money going? every white girl pool party for the next 30 years. Yeah, and also because That's of the whole Clueless reference. That's what I said. You should have took the money and invested it. And the fact that she used the 90s Clueless in the video. Like, the whole thing. She did the whole thing to make it a trend. And she did. She made that thing. She made that shit trend. Yep. It's just, I don't know. It's like, when I saw that, I, listen, I haven't heard an Iggy Azalea song literally in years. And then when I saw this, I was like, now nah, we got to talk about this because she does, she looked like the, the, the image alone. I just, I, just, I was like, I just, damn. I watched the video and I, yeah, I haven't I watched the video. I refuse. I refuse. You sent it to me and you didn't even watch it? No, I only read the article. <laughs> and I looked at the stills. I looked at the stills, the imagery. I refuse to watch it. Iggy, I'm sorry stop. I put you through that. I didn't think you'd watch Just it. Stop. Go buy a Wingstop. Go buy a McDonald's. <sighs> go to Australia. Buy some businesses. You really don't have to be doing this. You don't have to be embarrassing yourself anymore. Doesn't she have, she has have a child to deal too, with no? it anymore? She has a child with an NBA mm-hmm. player. You don't have to do this anymore. You already have a child, actually. Just sit back and collect the checks. Usually, I don't promote that, but for you, I'm promoting it. No, sit she can still be. She checks. could do something else other than being created because of this whole cancel thing. She probably could take her money. She properly invested it, and she'd be fine. But we're not her, so I don't know. Hmm. She wants to say that she's the strip club. I don't know why you want to call yourself that. But anyway, the, uh, <laughs> the other on. reason why <laughs> the other reason why I I hated her. Um, so uh, recently we've been talking about the Aboriginal population in Canada that's been disrespected since the beginning of Canada, but recently it's been in the world news because we've been finding hundreds of graves at all of these residential school sites where they were raping, molesting, not feeding, starving, and murdering these children, basically. Um, so recently the Boy Scouts, I don't know if this is the Boy Scouts of America or the Boy Scouts United, I think it's the Boy Scouts of America. But the Boy Scouts reaches a settlement of $850 million. I didn't know the Boy Scouts had so much goddamn money. I'm going to be honest. they do. I, Go to the because, girls who sell all those cookies. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
So they reached they reached almost a hundred thousand dollars settlement for thousands of claims recently. The Boy Scouts of America, or Boy Scouts in general, and the Catholic Church both ain't shit. A lot of other people ain't shit. I'm sure if I go down the line of who molests boys. Uh, but these two, for example, right here. What I do like is that the Boy Scouts reached a settlement of 850 over a thousand people that they, you know, did their stuff to. So I'm pretty sure everyone's going to get, you know, a good 100,000 there. Um, but the Catholic Church in Canada over the past two months has still refused to admit fault in the residential schools massacre of these children that they're still currently counting bodies. The Canadian government, the Prime Minister Trudeau has admitted fault, the RCMP has taken a knee. The Catholic Church said no. The Catholic Church said we are only known for molesting boys, we do not murder them. And they said no, it's not us. We They don't want to take no fault even though these residential schools were essentially run organized and created by the catholic church the canadian government was just there to allow the fuckery to happen there has been no formal there's been no formal acknowledgement from the catholic church no formal apology nothing they literally are pretending as if that it didn't happen yep 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 I just, and I you're kind of sitting there going out. guys like we know what happened <clears throat> like we know what happened we know that you didn't particularly do it but we know what happened and by the way, it's the Boy Scouts of America who actually uh, won that lawsuit. It's the Boy Scouts of America, okay. Fucking hell. I know you wanted to talk about um, black TikTokers, so I'm going to let you Okay, so... Okay, so for anyone who does not know, Megan The Stallion released a song that I do not know the name of. I think it's called Thought Shit. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's Thought Shit. Don't quote me on that because I actually care. It's called right, Thought Shit. Right, I think it is Thought Shit. shit. So as you guys know, black TikTokers have made some of the most trending dances on TikTok that have had these creators like blow up and become like pretty huge. But we also know that these dances become even bigger once they are um, uh, taken and done by white TikTokers. So black TikTok decides to take it upon themselves and not create a dance to thought shit. And they went on strike. The irony of the entire situation is that since they have gone on strike, there actually has not been a trending dance. This is like the first time that there is no trending dance on TikTok. Now, there were people who, who attempted to flail their arms in unison and it did not work. <laughs> it did not work at all. It did not trend. No one copied it. No one did it. And then apparently some people were saying, oh, where are all the dances? And the TikTokers are like, no, you're going to value us. So you're going to pay us instead of stealing our dances and putting them somewhere else. And then I found out from this guy here who I'm pointing at him. Mm -hmm. The Megan the Stallion actually reached out to white TikTokers to create a dance. So let's what? let's let's uh so what? this is this is like this little is, John. This is the way, this is the way the information Yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is the way the information came to me. So Megan the Stallion's team is what they say started okay. reaching out to white TikTokers and paying them to create a dance for her so her song could go viral. But now, okay. Now it I wanna, it, it, it did it, it did it. And Megan Thee Stallion, shockingly, is not getting as much bashment as I thought she would get for this, surprisingly. It's kind of, it was talked about for a little bit 
And then it kind of got swept under the radar. I'm surprised I'm Megan Thee Stallion didn't happened. get the bash. I'm really shocked. I'm really shocked about that. But I want to see what happens further on. But I really want to get into this whole um, discussion around black TikTok and, and uh, boycotting um, TikTok. Now, okay. I'm not sure if I had this discussion on here. I think me and you have had this discussion, actually. Yeah, I don't we did. think I've actually had it on here. But if, I, here, if but... I had had it on here and I talked about this last week, I apologize. This will be a run-on. But I'll make it very quick. Okay. In the very beginning of our show, we talked about... And I remember what it was now. We talked about... The fact that it's coming to me, I got it. We talked about the fact that white celebrities co-opt black hair and black music as their own. And we dissected this, right? And we're talking about Justin Bieber and them calling his album, um, what was it, House House Pop? It was supposed to, it's a soca sound. But they oh, called it, like it house, Island House, Island House, or something Island like that. Island House, and there was also, and there was also the thing with the younger Kardashian sister and with the box braids, and a lot of black people hated Kylie Jenner and hated Justin Bieber for this, and I tried to be the voice of reason in this, and I tried to look at it from an economic standpoint, right? And what I said back then specifically is we need to start putting our energy towards the right person. Blaming Kylie Jenner. Kylie Jenner never called it box braids. Kylie Jenner did a photo shoot for a white magazine. The white magazine took the pictures. The white magazine called it box braids. No, boxer braids. Y'all boxer braids is an actual thing. Boxer braids. Boxer braids. Bo- boxer braids. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, boxer braids. Y'all getting mad at Kylie Jenner. Y'all getting mad at Kylie Jenner when it was the white publication that did that. When Justin Bieber dropped his album and he had Sorry and the other song that had a soca element to it out of the whole entire album, and there was some songs that had reggae elements to it, Justin Bieber didn't say anything. Justin Bieber didn't get a chance to speak about the album and say who produced it and what was his influences. It was the magazine that called it Tropical House. Y'all got mad at Justin Bieber. And this is why I say y'all are letting the people who are actually doing it get away with it. Who you should be getting mad at is the publications who are the ones who are making these claims and posting this and stop getting mad at the artist. The artist didn't do anything. Yeah, but it's easier anything, to get mad at the artist because of the face of it. I understand. But I'm trying to redirect the anger. So no, no, I'm agreeing with you, but I'm also stating that that's exactly matters. what it is. It's easier to get mad at a singular person who you can see and hear. Of course. Not the, not the media machine. Of course. But the problem is the person can't do anything. So, that's true. But, so now we reach this argument, right, about black TikTok. Now, Kevin Hart said this years ago. He said, Hollywood still doesn't believe that a black face can sell a movie outside of America, other than maybe Denzel or Will Smith. It's mostly action movies that they buy outside of America. And even Denzel and Will Smith have a hard time selling. Hollywood doesn't believe that a black face will sell outside of America. Now, people are going to bring up Black Panther, but you have to remember Black Panther was largely digested because it was a Marvel movie and because Mm -hmm. of the amount of black people that live 
in Africa, the Caribbean, and all over the diaspora in the world. Also, there was countries that are anti-American who usually don't show American movies like China, mm -hmm. like Russia, who showed Black Black Panther was also very anti-West, anti-American, and China and Russia are anti-West, anti-American. So it's sold on many different factors. Kevin Hart states that for all of his movies, he wants to do an international tour so he can push his movie in Germany, in, in all parts of Europe, in all parts of Asia, even in Africa. He wants to push his movie so it can sell, so he can reconstruct this image that black faces don't sell. Now, Hollywood and a lot of these companies are run by old white executives who were born in the 1950s and 40s who still believe these things, right? This is why people think Gone with the Wind is still an amazing movie, because it's old white people telling younger people it's great, and then they tell the next generation it's great, and it's really, it's really not that great. But That's long story story, to get to my point here, if you look at how TikTok is done, right? Somebody comes out with a song. A bunch of black TikTokers and a bunch of white TikTok, a bunch of TikTokers in general, they're all going to do a dance to that song. Black people are usually more rhythmically inclined and more artistic, and therefore our dances are the ones that are going to be the most popular. Then everybody starts doing that dance that the black person did. Naturally, show that's what you want. You want everyone to do it, right? You want it to trend. Hip hip hop would not be the most popular sport. Would not be the most popular art form. Sorry, if just black people listen to hip hop. So you want everyone to do it. That's how you sell it. Then there comes a company sometimes a small millennial business, sometimes a large company, and they want to take the dance and use it to sell their product. They don't know who started it. They have somebody in their, in their faculty, maybe the social media manager who goes on and looks at who has the highest likes or whatever it is, shares for who did the dance. That's actually Even not though true. the black... When you work in social media, social media manager, it's actually your job to find out who originated the dance first to see if you oh, can actually oh, get that oh, person oh, oh, first. I'm aware. After no, the no, originator I'm, I'm well has aware. been located, then you go past and see if you want to go with somebody else if they don't on, fit on, the on, archetype of no, no, what no, your I'm, story I'm, is. Okay, no, no, no. I'm, I'm well aware of that. Don't worry. I'm working. I'm working, baby. Okay, we're it's because you said they don't. That's not no, true. No, no, no. Don't worry. Don't I'm, I'm, okay, okay, we're okay. angling it. We're angling okay. it. Okay. Okay. Just, okay. Angling it. Okay. So. So. The person that works at the company or the small business, they're going to go and they're going to look at who has the highest likes, the highest shares for this TikTok video. They're not doing their homework, as Brittany just said. That's what they're supposed to do, but that's not what they're doing. They find the highest person. Now, even though the black person created the dance, the white person now has the highest amount of likes and shares. You want to know why? Because... We in the world have developed a culture due to, and I won't go on about this, due to colonialism for the last 300 years where Europe ran the rest of the world and governed all these countries, where we self-consciously believe that whiteness is the normative and whiteness is better. It doesn't matter what country you go to, people are bleaching, straightening their eyes, doing what they can to seem white. The reason why I'm saying that is because... You can look at it, I'll put it in the best way possible. When, I guess we'll use racial categories. When white Hollywood puts out a movie, we all watch it. Because we've grown up in a culture that whiteness is the normative. So white movies are therefore for everybody. 
they won't have one minority in the movie, but the movie is still for everybody. That's the way it's marketed. Whiteness, whiteness has been marketed as the normative since the 50s and leave it to Beaver, okay? When you see a movie with a bunch of black cast, only black people are generally going to watch it because other people don't feel like this is the normative for them or they don't feel like they're going to understand it because it's not in their culture. Mind you, the white movie wasn't in their culture either, but that's the normative. When you see an Asian movie, whether it's whether it's whether it's a Bollywood movie or an East Asian movie, only Asians are going to watch it majority of the time because other people feel like I'm not going to get the jokes. I'm not going to understand it. It's not for me. But in reality, as I just said, the white movie has jokes that aren't part of your culture either. But white is the fucking normative. OK, now that we stated that point. So when the black TikToker creates the best dance and everybody starts following it. All the black people are going to follow the black TikToker. Yo, this person's big. Look at the dance they create. They're going to boost them up. Once a white person starts doing that dance, you now have white people, Asian people, Spanish people, black people, everybody following them because they are the normative. I'm not saying this is the way it should be. I'm just saying the way it is. So everybody as a whole is going to follow them because whiteness is the normative and everybody can enjoy a white person doing a dance. While a black person or Asian person doing a dance somehow becomes political, even amongst preteen children, sadly, because of the world that we live in and the things that we make our children absorb and the way that we run our world on a racial sphere. So what that means is once white people co-opt the dance on TikTok, when in actuality, they're just doing a dance like everybody else to make it more popular. They're not actually co-opting it at this point. But they are going to get the best, the best numbers and the best shares because everybody else is going to now follow them because they've made the dance normal for everyone to share. Becky, who lives in South Dakota, doesn't feel a way about sharing the booty shaking dance with the white girl in it. But if a black girl is doing it, Becky's going to be like, oh, I don't want to share that because it's going to make me seem like this. You see what I'm trying to say now, Brittany? You get it. That's what's happening. So when these companies are going, they're picking the top person and doing this. Now, we shouldn't be blaming the white TikTokers. Even the white TikTokers that are getting hired and paid by the companies we shouldn't be blaming that because you can't tell people, hey, don't take the hundreds of thousands of dollars, then do the dance. Give, give it. Can you make sure Janae does it? Who lives in this? That's not going to fucking happen. Who you need to hold accountable is the companies. When these millennial companies decide to go hire a person to do the dance, call them out. When these big companies, four or five companies decide to hire some of dance, call them out. And eventually they will get tired of being called out and they will do the due diligence, as Brittany was saying, to find out who the actual person is who started that dance. And even though they may not have as much numbers as Mary Lou because of just the proximity of whiteness and the way whiteness sells worldwide, we still need to put Janae in there because she's the one that started the dance. And people have to realize it's just a marketing tool. It's the way the world is. It's fucked up. It's completely fucked up. And I agree. But that's the way the world is. The average Asian Indian kid doesn't relate to the black girl doing the dance, sadly. But the, but little Becky doing the dance, they relate to that. And now they want to do it, sadly. So I just have, I have one little thing that I want to correct. It has been proven statistically that black creators actually have better numbers than white creators. 
So it's not about them looking to see who actually has the higher number of views, to be honest with you, because let's also talk about the algorithm of TikTok. TikTok's algorithm is insane. And what I mean by insane is that if you can post something that becomes trending, you can go from having 100 followers one day to having like over 5,000 because the algorithm literally is works in your favor. It's like the odds are in your favor. A Which lot of the dances that have, fun. yes, but a lot of the creators who are black actually sometimes have better numbers than their white counterparts. So it's not necessarily mm. just about numbers. It's about the marketability okay. of a person now, now we got even stronger case to be white. And that's unfortunate. It's like the example that I gave last time. Some of the most popular TikTok dancers were shown on Jimmy Fallon by a girl named Addison Ray. She's white. He had her on her. Sh he had her on his show doing dances that she did not create. Then there was backlash. When you guys wanted to hold Jimmy Fallon accountable. I want to say I right. did agree with that. That's, then there that's was backlash and people were like, excuse me, the people who did these dances are this person, this person, and this person. Ironically, Jimmy Fallon had to turn around and have these people on his show, but here's the kick. Okay, here's the kick. They weren't physically on the show. It was done via webcam. He could have Addison Ray in studio, but he wouldn't bring those people in studio. So he so still, even though he even even though he said he was sorry and his show said that, people were like, "Yeah, but you still brought her physically in, but you could have brought the actual people who made these dances popular." The reason why Addison Ray kicked off so hard, other than her just being whoever the hell she is, she started marketing these dances. So it's a factor of the algorithm which pushes all that. Literally anything new that gets posted, it's like this. It's like a floodgate opens and everybody sees it. It's massive. That's why everyone likes TikTok, who is young too, because it's easy to build a following quickly and able to keep their retention. Because if you keep releasing things every day, you're always going to be at the forefront. When it comes to markability, it's about the people who actually, who are white, because a lot of, like you just said, whiteness sells worldwide. Yep. So sometimes, yep. uh, uh, sometimes a creator can create a dance who happens to be black or even Asian or even, even someone who's like Hispanic. And they'll have better numbers. But because somebody who's Caucasian does it, they will get that contract. Mm. Sometimes okay. so, it actually has so nothing to do with that. Sometimes that there are so some, saying... some, sometimes the analytics are actually for people, it's not for them. Like they, they'll say, okay, this person got 100,000 shares. The person who copied them, who didn't make the dance, only got 50,000. But you know what? We like the way that she looks. We're going to use her. Or we're going to use him because of this, okay. because of this, so, because of this. So, so you're saying that there are situations where the black influencer more times than not does have the higher numbers but they still yes. choose the white influencer because yes. they because they think that whiteness is easier to market their company with. yes so if that's the case the same way y'all held jimmy jimmy Hallen, jimmy fallon sorry fallon. um <laughs> responsible is the same exact way that you should hold these companies responsible because blaming the white tiktokers is the same thing as blaming justin bieber and kylie jenner for the publications who created these things blame the companies stop holding the the white listen you can't tell the white tiktoker not to take the money they, they gotta feed themselves now do you see blame why i always companies. push but do you always see now why i push why it's really important to understand media and what you're actually ingesting to be able to understand media literacy this is why i always say this i constantly bring this point up because it is so important because a lot of people don't get it i agree i agree okay it's so frustrating okay. i I just want to say that I'm not blaming the white TikTokers for doing these dances and getting paid. I'm not. 
But what would be nice is that if the TikToker understands that they're not the ones who actually did this and they know, it's not going to happen, Brittany. That's never no, no, going no, to happen. No, no, no. You can always, th- no, you can still take the contract, but you can also throw out that person's name, be like, hey, how come we didn't actually ask them to do it? You can always ask. They're not going to pull your contract. Half the time they're going to be like, oh, it's just not a fit for our brand. Brittany, Brittany, me and you both know from being in the business world. But didn't you, but you just said a few minutes ago that if that's going to happen, no, you have understand. to call them out. That's exactly what I just said. I, I, I understand. I know I understand that. But me and you both know when you're in the business world and you're in that office and you're the one getting the contract and the money is on the table, most people are not going to speak about anybody else, even if it's rightfully so. That's, that's true, I'm but saying. there's a small percentage I, of people I, who actually will turn it down. No, and, and I'm happy for them. But I think what I'm saying is I, I can't expect white people to be compassionate towards our struggle. I didn't say that. I I, I, I I can't expect my people to be angry towards what's happening. I just want them to target their anger in the right direction. So even if the white influencers are not empathetic, they're no longer getting chosen now because we've pushed the button on the companies and the publications and now they have to have the demand because the public embarrassment is too much. Well, as of right now, TikTok, people like to joke that TikTok is dead in the water because there hasn't been any form of any a trend in the past, like, almost month. Will, I'm sure it will come back. I'm sure eventually. Black people usually don't yeah, stay, long, you, don't, don't no, stay I know, mad gotta, at things no, for I too know. long. I know. But even I'm surprised that nobody has made content to become a trend. Because normally, even though I'm not on TikTok because I refuse to TikTok. Yeah, talk, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not, I don't care. Um, I'm actually surprised I haven't heard about it because TikTok is so popular. So it's interesting to see an app kind of go silent for that long mm. and the, you know we'll see. technology we'll, see. we'll, we'll give it thing. we'll give it a let's give it a good two months we'll see we'll see so okay let me let me get into something easy so i can hit the last two so no i want to talk about instagram I, oh go ahead remember Instagram, you don't remember. Okay, so the guy who's the head of Instagram is pretty much released a video, not only on Twitter, he also released on Instagram, his Instagram stories, talking about the fact that Instagram now is going to be a video first platform. Oh, yeah. So the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because (laughs) Instagram is known to be Instagram because it's a photo sharing app. Now, first it started off as photo sharing. When people first were on Insta, it was just if you were a beauty girl, it was just your eye. (laughs) <laughs> um, and some photography portfolio for, for portfolios. Then it got bigger as Instagram evolved and changed. It still was photo sharing. And then they introduced uh, stories. IG, no, first it was IGTV, I believe. Then it was stories. And then it was reels. Reels was obviously to compete with TikTok. Let's be honest. And then stories was like taken from Snapchat because the stories lasted for 24 hours, right? So they, they took from brands Mm-hmm. Like, and was like, hey, let's do this. Let's do this. Fine. But you had IGTVs, and on IGTV can be, I believe, up to 15 minutes. And if you're like a certified content creator, I believe you can do up to 30 minutes like you're on YouTube, which is kind of crazy. And he pretty much put it out there that ultimately it's going to become a video sharing app first. So you're pretty much going to be forced at some point to create more content to be pushed. The al- as that, that just lets you know that the algorithm is going to favor video content over photographs. Now, I don't know why Instagram is trying to be something that it's not. Like he mentioned that they're trying to go up against not only TikTok, but YouTube. You're trying to go up against YouTube? I get you already came for TikTok with your reels. 
people are already doing these 30 second videos where they're sharing it not only on TikTok, but they're also putting it on their Instagram. But you want to go up against YouTube that has created some of the biggest like social media influencers in the world for videos. Um, and a lot of people are upset because they're saying, but why are you trying to be something that you're not? When you had people calling, when you had creators calling out for chronological order, they said it was never coming back. I don't think that these people understand how frustrating it is that if you put something up, but you don't see a post from like your friend and it was posted six days ago, but you had no idea and you're seeing it and you're seeing yourself, you're like six days ago, two days ago, oh, an hour ago, oh wait, a week ago. They're not, they're actually not listening to any of the feedback that is being given from the people who actually use the app on a day-to-day -day basis. By creating, by creating your app to be video first, they're not getting rid of photographs, but they're no longer going to push photographic content. That's going to actually minimize for a lot of people who have actually created photographic um, like portfolios that have gotten them work. It's going to take away from the people who do, who do product shots because product shots are not videos. It's going to take away from the individuals who don't want to be on video. Not everybody is comfortable sitting down and filming Ultimately, either talking to yourself, which is what I ultimately do when not on here, but when I'm on my other channel and creating these things where I'm jumping and spinning and then editing to make it look like it switches at the same time. Not everybody is comfortable doing that and not everyone wants to do it. So even though there was a lot of backlash received from Instagram, Instagram is still going to go forward with this and you're going to start seeing changes in the next few months. Like I said, Instagram needs to stay true to what it has always been, which has been a photo sharing app that has stories, that has IGTV, that has reels, where you can have a good time. To make it only for video content only, I don't think you're gonna grab, I don't think you're gonna grab people the way that you believe that you will, because I still think that YouTube will always remain on top. And TikTok, the reason it's hard to compete with TikTok because Instagram's algorithm isn't like TikTok. So I don't even think that's the same level. Like I said, when you post on TikTok, Everybody sees it. When you post on Instagram, a fraction of who follow you see it. Not even a fraction, not even a fourth. Like it's really tiny. It's like they expect for you to put not more effort. It's like they expect for you just to conform and say, well, you have no choice. That's what it feels yeah, like basically. anyway. And it's like, well, but wouldn't the app die at that point? You have people who stopped using Instagram to do TikTok because of the fact of the algorithm and the reach that they received. You had people come back to Instagram once they had reels, but those same people were still posting those reels on TikTok because they were getting more traction. People who had successful Instagram said that because of the amount of people who were contacting them, they got brand deals through TikTok faster than they did through Instagram. Unless Instagram trends on changing their algorithm to match TikToks, it's not going to be the same. And Instagram is a photo sharing app first. It will never be able to compete with YouTube. Okay. So y'all know me as I hate Instagram one-on-one, but I do have empathy for the situation in regards to the people who are making money on Instagram. So basically what you're saying, from what I understand, is that both of these apps are photo sharing and video sharing, TikTok just being mainly video sharing. But because TikTok, TikTok is only pushes, video sharing. Yeah, that, that, that's what I just said. Because TikTok pushes everything to the forefront, content creators on TikTok are able to garner hundreds to thousands of followers within a couple of days or, or a week. And therefore, content creators on TikTok are able to garnish more brand deals 
that brings more popularity to the other platforms of YouTube and the other things. So TikTok has now become the most profitable app if you are a content creator, way more than Instagram, which used to be the most profitable app. Mm -hmm. Now, TikTok is owned by China. Instagram is owned by, is it Facebook? Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. And Mark Zuckerberg wants to now make Instagram as popular as YouTube. So this is the thing. Mark Zuckerberg is a very smart guy, I'm sure. He created Facebook, which lifted off all this other shit. And then they had, I think he bought Twitter, and now Instagram's the dude thing. He's a great guy. Now, if you know that, as you said, people on Instagram have been complaining and asking for things that specifically will help them make more money on the platform, and you've been ignoring that to compete with other platforms that are helping them make more money on the platform. Which is kind of redundant because people are leaving your platform to go to other platforms where they make more money. And they're suggesting that you put things so they can stay on your platform because they actually like it better. But you refused to go through their suggestions and you're just trying to compete with the other platforms directly without realizing what you could do to better your platform. And now you're losing people. It sounds like you get what you deserve. You reap what you sow here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think Mark Zuckerberg will get it together and figure it out. He always does. I think him trying to compete with YouTube that's owned by Google is crazy. YouTube is in a YouTube is in a league of its own. Yep. Other social media apps are on one pool. YouTube's in a whole different league. YouTube monetizes. YouTube has YouTube has brands. Okay, like when when I go on Instagram or when I go on TikTok, I don't have to wait thirty seconds for some serial commercial to go by. When I go on YouTube, I do. That lets me know YouTube has a lot more money, and you guys need to stay in your own lane. It's a completely different thing. I don't even. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, seeing it is going to be interesting because Instagram is Instagram already has the way that it's set up a certain way. So. There's a feature on Instagram that you can only access if you have 10,000 followers, which is the swipe up feature. Now, everybody, like anyone who's a creator really wants this feature because it allows you to actually link your content within a story and then people can swipe up from Instagram and then it'll link you to whatever link it is that you have. And they can instantly watch a video or see whatever it is, see an item, especially if you have like affiliate links and you can make money off of people purchasing. So that's something. So a lot of people got frustrated with Instagram because they're saying, well, most people can't even reach this because of how you've messed up the algorithm. So people who were on track to actually get that are dead in the water now because they can't be seen. So you obviously can't gain following. So now apparently there is a rumor. So, well, it's kind of a rumor, kind of not. There is this guy that I follow on Instagram. His name is Stephen Bartlett. He is British. He is, he has like the number, he has like one of the number one podcasts in like the UK. I've talked about him before. And he actually released an image that was shared on LinkedIn that actually showed that Instagram is not testing a feature, but it's a beta. So it's only given to specific people. But if you don't have 10,000 followers, it's called the link. So instead of you being able to swipe up, you're now able to actually potentially put a link into your story. And the fact that makes the link actually clickable, and then that will then send it to whatever app it is you have to give smaller people and creators a chance now i find that kind of weird because it's like okay at ten thousand, i can get swipe up but now you want to give me a link option but here's the thing the full the full premise of link hasn't actually been put out so it's like is it actually going to be something where the link is clickable or is it just going to highlight the link and then kick you off of instagram and take you to another window 
Like they haven't really released all those things. So Instagram is now, I guess, kind of trying. It's the same thing you're trying to get verified on Instagram. Did you know to get verified on Instagram that not only do you have to be a public figure and also have a certain amount of people following, it isn't actually guaranteed to be given to you regardless of how popular you are. So like you could, you could be influential. Let's say that you're somebody who's created whatever businesses you could actually be highly influential. Instagram could still actually turn down verifying you and giving you that check mark. And you have to actually send in government issued ID to Instagram for the verification process to start. Wow. Instagram makes it actually very difficult. It's funny. They made this platform to make themselves more money, right? Of course. But then they made it excessively difficult for the people who help them make money to make money. That seems ridiculous. Uh, that seems like how a business works. Uh, when He's I was dumb. in sales, we would close that shit money and the company would keep the rest. Uh, yeah, that seems like how they, they took that it's model. It's not about closing anything down. They're just, they're just making it even more difficult. But the problem is, is that other apps have risen literally from nowhere that are not benefiting them. Because people are like, okay, so if I can't do it here, I'll share the content here and Instagram now becomes second. Agree. Instagram's Instagram. They're gonna have to figure it out, man. Mark Zuckerberg have to sit down and figure it out because he's gonna lose to TikTok. And yeah, Instagram's gonna have to figure it out, man. They're gonna have to figure it out. I find it you interesting know, that they want to go up against something that is a put that's pushing content when they themselves don't even push content. You can't compete with an app unless you're gonna make the algorithm similar. That doesn't make any sense. See what Instagram does. I'm curious to see what they do. I'm curious to see how Zuckerberg rolls the dice on this one. Let's see. Well, he may he may own Instagram, but the guy, the head of the head of Instagram is like the president. His name is like Matthew. Let's see what they do. Let's see what they do. I'm I'm open to see what they do. I'm already annoyed by it. It hasn't even happened yet. Because I'm not an Instagram person, like I'm not directly affected, but I, I want to see what Zuckerberg tries to pull out of his hat to fix it. See, I think the I'm reason why it actually annoys me is that when you become a video first app, it doesn't matter what you share anymore. Because it has to be and I get videos. what you're saying. Some people no, don't want to be on video. See, you may not be into Instagram. When you think about it, what about AMB's Instagram? Every single thing will have to be a video. Imagine how much work that's going to be. Yeah, I see what you're trying to say. Every no, single I, cut, I every saying. single edit, sharing constantly, doing that is a that's a lot. I'm not saying that you shouldn't work hard at what you do, but that's also forcing people to find a new way to be able to say, okay, so I create this content for this path, then I gotta do this one, then I have to figure out this. How am I gonna get this video out in time? Will it even render in high quality? Yeah, so How am the, I gonna the, the it's pictures, a lot of things? The pictures can no longer make you money. It has to be videos. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, I, I think it's stupid. I get I think it. And for me, what stupid. it is, I know that you don't like social media, but because of the fact that AMB has a social media Instagram, that will indirectly affect us. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree. That's why I was coming at it from the beginning. Um, I just, uh, I think it's something that Instagram always does this and we all have to mold to it, right? So we're going to see the molding we'll happening in the next couple Either of months. Either they're going to do it and then back down and come at it at a different angle because they're going to realize that it's not working because you don't want to lose money. The whole point is to make money. I agree. I agree. I agree. I got a few more topics here before we get out of here. So I'm going to run through this one very quick and then jump on the next one. Because this one's very, very small. But I wanted to mention this. I just thought the contradiction was just funny to me. So I stopped watching the BET Awards. I think the last time I watched the BET Awards was when Will and Jada um, hosted it. And I think that was the 10th anniversary of the BET Awards. Um, I think I also watched the new edition one that came 
after that. I think the Michael Jackson was before it. So maybe New Edition was the last time I watched it. And that was a little bit before they came out with the New Edition movie that came out, I think, 2016 mm-hmm. or something. Um, I really no longer watch the BET Awards, but in fairness to BET, I don't watch any award shows. I really no longer <laughs> watch BET. I think I, I used to watch BET a lot when I was a kid. I think when I got to college is when they started doing the College Hill and that, and they started copying all the MTV shows and they lost Free and AJ and that kind of threw me off. I don't think I've really watched BET after that. But then again, I don't watch much music or MTV. So take it as you want, right? I just don't watch Countdown or video channels anymore. There's really no need to. YouTube, ding, 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 took that market. So Instagram, have fun competing with that. But the BET Awards happened. And Little Nas X, who's been the most contrived figure in hip-hop and R&B and black culture, decided to go to the BT Awards, do a performance where he was extra zesty and shulty, as he always is. Sultry, as he always is. And he decided to kiss one of his background dancers on stage. I saw the clip of the video. I didn't really care, because at this point, mm. this is who Little Nas X is. I think people are not realizing this. Little Nas X is the Lady Gaga of this generation. He's the Madonna of this generation. It's everything that's going to create a buzz. He's going to do. I'm not saying Madonna and Nicki Man- and sorry, I'm not saying Madonna and, and um, Lady Gaga are not talented. I think they're extremely talented. Um, and Little Nas X is talented too. He's just not of my generation, right? So the younger people are going to say how talented he is. Um, he's had two songs. Uh, The last song was very controversial. We spoke about it with the blood and everything. So I think this is what we should expect from Lil Nas X. I don't see the issue. I think the the funny part is, is all of these hip hop uh, personalities and artists, male artists, decided to all come out as they did before when the video came out. Um, And they were talking about, oh, this is wrong for the children. My kids are watching the BET Awards. Oh, my God, this is... And I sat back and I was like, okay, as an older person, I'm going to say this. Hip hop is full of shit. Okay. Yep. Complete contradictions. Okay. Since when has rappers, specifically hip hop rappers, since when have they cared about children? Okay. Half of these rappers don't even take care of their children. Um, half of these rappers have their baby mamas. And their girlfriends on different shows, hip hop honeys, love and hip hop, whatever the hell the fucking shit is. And they're arguing about the fact that the guy doesn't take care of the kids. Half of these rappers are constantly in lawsuits about not taking care of these kids. Half of their kids come out, i.e. 50 Cent, and talk about how they're not taken care of. Other than Diddy, the majority of these rappers have kids that hate them, publicly shame them along with the mothers. So these kids that you're saying are watching Little Nas X, do you even take care of the kids? (laughs) I didn't get that. And then they're saying, oh, this is wrong for the kids to be watching. Nigga, this was the same award show that had Megan the Stallion shaking her ass. This is the same award show that has the city girls shaking their ass and talking about robbing niggas and taking them for their money and basically throw in the pussy at anything that's over a hundred thousand dollars this is literally what i said this is the same should i just keep going on it's a complete contradiction listen hip-hop as a whole should never talk about the sanctity of children r&b can do that if they want to but hip-hop hip-hop since since like when i was growing up you, you 
in the commercial space hip hop. I said commercial hip hop. Mm -hmm. When I was growing up, commercial hip hop definitely had rappers that tried to educate children. You had that, but like, come on now. Since since no, no, I don't even want to hear that argument anymore. What stupid hip hop is doing? What Christians do? We're picking and choosing here. I just wanted to let that out. There. I just wanted to say my piece. Let that marinate in the world. That's fine. The real topic I wanted to get on is the Rachel Nichols uh, versus ESPN and Maria Taylor. So I'm not really a sports guy. I'm a highlights guy. I'm about to go watch uh, the game today on my boys after I'm done this. But I'm a highlights guy. I'm not really a sports guy like that. You have to explain but to me this thing again because I'm really me, not sure I about will, it. I'm going to explain it right now. I'm going to explain okay. it. Okay. So Rachel Nichols works for ESPN. Rachel Nichols is a personality, a.k.a. an anchor for ESPN. Rachel Nichols uh, for ESPN usually hosts a segment that is during the NBA playoffs that's going on right now. Okay? Mm -hmm. There is another host on ESPN, a much younger host. Rachel Nichols is white. There's a younger host on ESPN, a much younger host, Maria Taylor, who is black. Rachel Nichols was having a conversation with one of her coworkers where she was talking about the fact, and I don't think she said anything wrong. She was actually talking about the fact that she feels that because ESPN has dumped a mountain of shit on themselves, AKA ESPN in the past has fired black hosts for making comments about Donald Trump and other political figures that ESPN now agrees with. ESPN has done, put themselves in fuckery, right? Mm -hmm. So she was talking about the fact that ESPN, because they have put themselves in the rabbit hole, basically blaming ESPN, is saying that ESPN is going to cave in to the media. And she believes that ESPN is going to take her job that she fought for as a woman and was great at and worked hard at for years to get her job as a woman in a male-dominated sports world. They are going to take it from her and give it to a black woman, a.k.a. her understudy, Maria Taylor, who is new. She didn't say Maria Taylor wasn't deserving of it. She didn't say Maria Taylor wasn't good. She said, I feel like my job is threatened because my company does horrible PR and now has to cape for the horrible PR they do. And AKA, they're going to take my job that I have rightfully earned as one of the first women to have it and therefore give it to a minority woman to show face. She didn't say anything about the skill set of Maria Taylor. Now, of course, Black Twitter jumped on this and said she was racist and Maria Taylor should get it and blah, blah, blah. Now, the reason why this recorded conversation got out is because the person she was speaking to recorded it and then decided to expose it on social media, a.k.a. we live in a generation of people do this stupidly. This person got fired. Now, Black Twitter was complaining about why they got fired. I just want to explain this to people. When you sign a contract to work for a company, I have worked for many companies. I have signed non-disclosures, I have signed non-competes, and I have signed NDAs, which means that I am not allowed to bring the company information to another company, and I am not allowed to expose company information that I may be privy to. Now, Rachel Nichols, being an anchor on ESPN, being a personality on ESPN, is company information. Her, she as a personality is the job. So anything that has to do with her personality being exposed affects the company. AKA, if you expose a private conversation you had with Rachel Nichols in regards to the company or in regards to Rachel Nichols' career, you can get fired for that because you're exposing company information. AKA, the firing was rightfully done. Now, ESPN, to go exactly with what Rachel Nichols said, 
they did just that. After the pressure of this recorded conversation coming out, they bent and they gave the spot to Maria Taylor. I don't believe it was right for all the reasons that I just said. I think anybody who feels threatened is going to have this conversation. I don't think the, and I believe the girl she had the conversation with was also black. So she wasn't doing it in a, in a, in a, in a malicious way. And it didn't sound it was malicious when I heard it either. But of course, everyone likes to blow it up, right? And I was having a conversation with my boy about this. And I was bringing up this topic. I was like, listen, chickens always come to roost, right? So men used to have all of the high-paying jobs. Then Aaron took the job. Well, started to, to get jobs in those fields, I should say. Now we're at a stage where black people are coming in and getting the jobs in those fields. After black people, it's going to be the LGBTQ community, especially trans people, that are going to want to get those jobs. Now, this was my argument, right? I don't think it's right to take a job away from somebody who has it just to give it to somebody else just to show face. So what I mean by that is this. If you have these new millennial companies that are popping up every day and then you find out that their executive board is all white, even though they just created it a year ago, you can protest against that. If you have these older companies like ESPN that have had these, had these people in these positions for decades or years who have been doing it correctly, you can't just take their job away to add somebody. Now, if somebody retires from that job, then you can have a conversation about why didn't you hire the black or Asian anchor or whatever the case may be. But you can't just take people's livelihood and put in somebody you like just to show face. And the reason why I'm saying this, because if we keep this culture up, mm -hmm. what's going to happen in 20 years when LGBTQ people, specifically trans, trans people, specifically, what's going to happen when people are taking jobs that were once had by black personalities or the, the, let's just say it's just regular companies people are taking jobs that were once held by black executives male and female who fought against their own racism to get the job the way that women fought against patriarchy to get that job and then social media decides to says no we should give it to this trans person we all know that black people are going to jump at that right off the bat not saying black people are homophobic, but black people have a certain amount of, um, when black people get to a certain point, we want to covet those positions. Yeah. So I would love to see what happens when the trans population starts taking these positions and we start complaining because this argument of Rachel Nichols is going to get brought up. It will. It's the same thing I said when we were watching The View and they let go of Sharon Osbourne. And I said, listen, Whoopi and all these other people are going to be held to a higher standard. You and mean if the they talk? Say any, the talk, sorry. And if they say anything racist ever on this show, they're going to be asking Whoopi's head. And we can't do anything about it. And this is the precedent that we're setting. This whole episode's about precedent. Well, well, what do you think about the situation? I was going to say to add to your point. So just, just to add to your point about the recording. So in Canada and the U.S., it's actually illegal to record anybody without their knowledge. You have to actually make no. them aware of the fact that you're recording. Once they are, if they, if they know that they're being recorded and then they agree, that's different. Because it actually has to be recorded that they agree. So what that person did was highly illegal. So not only them getting fired, they could actually be taken to court for doing that because it's an infringement upon your privacy. 
um, <laughs> when it comes to the information that this person decided to leak, I think that that was ridiculous to do so. I don't know what they thought was going to come of this. Them losing their job, I don't really think was worth it because now no one's ever going to trust you because you record people in secret. That is ridiculous. Now, now that you've explained the situation, when, what's her name? Is her name Maria? Is that who it is? Uh, Maria Taylor, which is a great anchor, by the way. Nothing against Maria Taylor. Maria Taylor is the one who they've now taken her job and away, she, correct? And she actually kept quiet during the whole fiasco, that, which was smart. Yeah, is that correct? They took away her job? No, no, no. They took away Rachel Nichols' job and gave it Rachel to Rachel Nichols. Okay, so when it comes to Rachel Nichols and her statement of what she said about saying that they're just a safe face because they have terrible PR, I'm not mad at the statement that she made because she's not wrong because that's what ended up happening. She wasn't trying to make it seem as if that she didn't want someone else to have the job, but she has worked very hard for it. She's the first female to ever actually have it from what you just said. So obviously there's a sense of pride in it because she's like, oh, I, I did my due diligence. I worked my butt off. I fought for myself and I got here. I understand why she's mad. The woman who ended up getting the job staying quiet, kudos to her for staying quiet because sometimes that can be very hard to do, to not have an opinion, not to say anything because you want to say something. But this is like another thing from her to say for her to lose her for Rachel to lose her job. She proved the point that she had said before, even yep. though it was illegally recorded, because now they're going to have to come back and be like, well, that's not really the reason because they have terrible PR. Because so then it's going to yep. say, so she was right all along that you were going to take away her job and you were going to give it to somebody else who happened to be a minority. Yeah, it's and, and from what I you said, people, apparently Rachel was an amazing anchor. She was a like good she was anchor, good at her mind job. you. Mar she was good Maria, at her is, job. Maria is all is a great anchor as well. Nothing taken from Maria. Maria is a great anchor as well. I'm not taking anything away from her. She kind of got caught up in the situation, but I like the fact that when she was asked about it, she kind of just played it nonchalant. She did it. She yeah, did it very, I appreciate very that. She left it alone. I just think that now it's ESPN who really is at fault here when you really think about it. Other than that, later really the recording, they have they they yeah. So I'm saying ESPN is the one who's really at fault here. Yeah, that recording came out. Okay, fine, they dealt with that. But everything else about what she said actually came to fruition. So what she predicted actually happened. No, no, you you're, you're right. You're right. You're right on the ball. Um, do you have anything else before I get to this last topic? Here? No. Okay, let's jump in this. So, on some what local you got? shit, <laughs> I have black owned Toronto. So, um, like everywhere you. else, like everywhere else in the world, um, Toronto has been having its own anti-black issues that have been going on since as long as I've been alive, but they've come to the priority of the Canadian media and almost the Canadian government, at least in, since George Floyd's death in the past two years. I think every country mm. I'm sure is going through the same issues. <laughs> Uh, with that being said, when Black Lives Matter first started, I think it was a year later, we had our own Black Lives Matter faction that we've had ever since to deal with our issues. I think London and the UK has their own as well, and I'm pretty sure maybe other countries have their own as well. Now, with the Black-owned issue that's been going on in the States about Black-owned businesses, of course, we've had our own issue here, primarily around the residential space of Little Jamaica, which is on Eglinton West, which... The Toronto government has been doing construction on all of Eglinton, but specifically Eglinton West for years, and these people have lost their businesses. But now Toronto has signed a mandate to actually make Little Jamaica a historical place, similar to Little exactly. Italy, Little Portugal, that it wasn't for years. So we know that it will stay intact. How it will stay intact, we will soon see when the construction is done on Eglinton itself. So a lot of conversations about Black-owned businesses have been brought up. Now, 
a lot of the times I always say that we as black Canadians, um, 97% of us come from Caribbean and African backgrounds, and the last 3% Nova Scotian. In Toronto, that is. Um, and I think around Canada, I think we make up like 80% of the black people anyways, and then the last 20% is Nova Scotian. So we're the far majority in Toronto and in Canada. Now, with that being said, I think a lot of times we as black Canadians, we like to look at what we see in the States and a lot of times mimic that same um, issue here sometimes. And it does get annoying. It does. I think that's the reason why a lot of black Canadians don't agree with um, Black Lives Matter Toronto, because instead of addressing issues like immigration and deportation, they're addressing issues that happen once every five years that really are a thing in the States, but not a thing here. So with that being said, Toronto's East End, Scarborough, um, decided to open a store in Scarborough Town Center, which is the mall in Scarborough. It's one of, I would say, Canada's or oh, the GTA's five major malls. I would say Square One, Eaton Center, Yorkdale, Scarborough Town Center. And then lastly, you could make a battle for Fairview or Sherway, kind of have at it the way you would. But Square One, Yorkdale, Eaton Center, and Toronto Town, Toronto, Scarborough, Scarborough Town Center would be the main four malls that bring in the most amount of money. Uh, so I was very happy to figure out that Scarborough Town Center decided to open a store that was catered towards the Black population. I'm assuming mostly in Scarborough, but in the GTA in general. Now, the idea of this store is amazing. Yeah, it is. What, what the issue is, is this store is an open market for black business owners. Black business owners can go in and purchase a shelf and they can put their products there to buy. A lot of the issues with the black businesses in Canada is a lot of times they are not giving business loans by the bank. And therefore, a lot of times it's very hard for them to open up their own face front stores. And therefore, most black businesses are online and it's hard for them to generate money online as well. They're so also not giving shelf face... space in any major retailer. Yes. So because they're not able to get their own businesses, because of sometimes racist bank issues that we can go over, but it's nice to see that a lot of these independent black store owners can now rent a shelf and put their products there. I enjoy seeing that. These products range from hair products to food products to health products from what Candles. I have seen in a in a trailer clip. Candles. There is that girl that does those candles that I always see on Instagram. So I'm glad she's yeah. in there too. Um, so big, big move, big move. Love it, love it, love it, love it. It reminds me of eatery. Eatery is in Toronto, but it's also in many places around the world. Italy. It's pronounced Italy. 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 Sorry. sorry. <laughs> Italy. It's in Toronto, but a lot of places around the world. And what it is, is it's very similar. It's a rented space. So in Toronto, they have a rented space in a building. They have two full floors where they have a bunch of Italian business owners that buy shelving and some of them have restaurants, some of them have, have food products, some of them have, it, and it's beautiful and it's nice. Yeah, they have like full-on wine, can, a full-on grocery eat, store. They have and a you can buy food beer, and do grocery. the brewery in the basement. Like they have all, exactly. it's like, it's, it's actually three levels. Exactly. Thank you. And it's catered towards the Italian culture and they have it in the UK and they have it all around the world and it's a great thing. That's what I thought when I saw this. Now, it's called Italy. So it lets you know that it's Italian, but it's Eat Italy. Italy, great name. I thought it was great. It's world-renowned, different food. countries. Great concept. 
My only issue with this, I love what they've done. Love it. My only issue with it is the fact that the store is named Black Owned Toronto. So when you walk into Scarborough Town Center, you have to go, I think it's upstairs, and the store is called Black Owned Toronto. Now this becomes my issue, right? In America, and I said this a lot of times, black Canadians copy what they see in America. I think the biggest example of this is when I hear black Canadians that I've grown up around, who are all first generation, by the way, in Toronto, who, or in the GTA, I should say, who talk about, oh, when I grow up, when I have kids, I want to raise my kids back in the hood that their parents might have worked two, three jobs and took a bank loan to get them out of to bring them to one of the many like multicultural or black suburbs like Brampton or or um, parts of Scarborough or Ajax or Pickering. And they will have these conversations. And I've heard these conversations with people that I've went to school with, that I've grown up with, but I've also heard these conversations at companies I've worked at with very educated people. And what it is, and I've always made this point, is that a lot of Black Canadians have adopted what they see in the States. When they see Black Americans talking about buying back their neighborhoods and building back the hoods and going back and putting money into the hood, you have to remember, when it comes in these areas for years, when you hear Jay-Z talk about Brooklyn and New York in general, Black people have lived in Harlem for over 150 years. The Harlem Renaissance was in the early 1900s, 1901 to 1925. That was when Marcus Garvey was there. When you hear people in the South talk about buying Black to Black neighborhoods, Black people have lived in these neighborhoods in the South since slavery. When you come to places like Toronto, you're the only person in your family that can call yourself Canadian. Your parents were not born here. Nobody else in your family was born here besides you and your sibling. So, and your parents moved to this low income area because they were new immigrants and that's what the low income areas are for. And therefore they were trying to get a footing into Canadian society to then move out. Why do you have money, but want to raise your kid in the hood because you see it as a black neighborhood. It makes no sense. We have an opportunity that black Americans don't have where we can now move out to other areas like Milton, Kitchener, all these other areas. There's so much land space and there's so much neighborhoods that haven't really been built up. And we can move out there and a bunch of black people can buy houses and we can make that a black neighborhood. Why are we trying to make the low income neighborhood that we were forced in as new immigrants to now be a black neighborhood. But this is a mentality that we have adopted from Americans. So I wanted to set the platform so you guys see where I'm going with this. So when Americans have black owned stores that they may label black owned, there's a reason for that. They have a legacy of that. It's the same way if Nova Scotians chose to do it. I would understand why they're doing it. Now, like I said, I love the idea, completely love it. I just don't understand why they labeled it Black-owned Toronto. And people will disagree with me on this, and they're free to disagree with me on this. And I understand representation is what we need, but sometimes from a business aspect, you can fuck up your money. So you have to understand this. When you label the store Black-owned Toronto, people who are non-Black are now going to feel like, like the store is not for them. Like they don't belong there. When they see Black-owned Toronto, it's a political statement. That's what it, it's, it's literally a political statement. So you're going to have Black people that are going to shop there, of course, who live in the Scarborough area or come from far to shop there, at least in the beginning for the hype. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have 
overly liberal white people who shop there to be seen for their political angst, to compete their agenda. But the majority of white people, Asian people, Latino people, non-black people who are the majority of Toronto, I want to make people know, black people in Toronto are less than 10%. Put that out there first and foremost, okay? And when you take away the very young with no money and the very old that are not going to travel, you get an even smaller 5%, 4% of Toronto. And then you got to get people that actually live in Scarborough. The percents are going down now. So just like hip hop, like I said before, you need everybody to buy your product to be successful. Okay. The reason why Eastside Mario's, as much as the food is shit, is a successful Italian restaurant because everybody buys it. The reason why Alice Fazuli's is, 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 a, is, is an Italian restaurant that's recognized, everybody buys it. Olive Garden, everybody buys it. The reason why Mandarin is popular, everybody goes there. When you label something black-owned, people feel like, oh, well, okay, it's not for me, I shouldn't go. You could have literally labeled it Africa to let people know that everything in here is black, but they can still come in if they want to experience Africa. You could have labeled it, I don't, I'm, making, I'm throwing it to the wall here basically, but you could have labeled it Caribbean, I don't know, whatever you want to label it. You could have found a name similar to Italy to let people know by the name that this store is going to have black products and black food. And therefore, if you're coming into our establishment, you're coming in to experience black culture the same way when you go into an Indian establishment, an Italian establishment, a Japanese establishment. But to label it Japanese owned, Italy owned. And a lot of times, a lot of a lot of times when this is done. What ends up happening is, is in the beginning of the first three months, they get a lot of money because all the black people come out, the liberal white people come out, everybody wants to support to be a part of some sort of historical moment here, right? And then as the years go on, it's only black people buying because of the way you named it, because of the way you brought it up. I'm pretty sure it's in the media right now being marketed as Black-owned Toronto, as it's named, right? By... Only the black people in the neighborhood really go because it's for them, basically. We live in the West End. We probably go there once, but it wouldn't be a regular thing, right? And then eventually after that, like I said, black people are 10%. Take away the very young with no money, the very old. And plus the products that they're selling are really products that are geared towards very much middle-aged black people. It's very much geared towards, uh, I would say, 20, but roughly more 25, just because of the maturity, to maybe like 50. That's the products, okay? So eventually, if these, if this demographic of black people can't support the business after all the hype is done, then it closes down. And then you get situations where black people are saying, well, the government should help fund our business. Why? Government ain't funding nobody else's cultural business. And then we get into a situation where people are calling it racism because it's closed down. No, it's not racism because it's closed down. It was the statement of black-owned Toronto that made it close down. You should have left it open. That's my standpoint. But I, again, love the idea. I just don't like the execution.
Black on Teo first started off on Instagram because that was their handle. And that was when they would post all the black owned brands that were in Toronto and other places and their websites and give them shout outs like every week. Almost every day there was something yeah. new posted. And, and every you were city able has to a black owned website, by the way. Yeah. You were able to find things from hair care to beauty products to food to um, clothing, to candles, to anything that you, even household items, like people who make things by hand, like you were able to find really cool things. Black owned TO was kind of like the black Etsy. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> Jay-Z Jay actually created, Jay-Z and I think somebody else partnered with them, they created an app that was similar to this in America, where you in your designated area could find mm -hmm. a black owned business to buy your stuff from yeah. if you want to support. And you could, and you could that black owned TO was like the black version of Etsy because you have people who make clothing to who make pillowcases and all these different things that are household linens, like it's everything. Mm. Now, I was going to say that I the only reason I, I think the name I, the reason why the store was named what it was is because it followed its Instagram handle. Let's be honest. <laughs> I, agree. Um, I agree. So that people know what it is. Now, you may not know what this store is, but years ago on Queen Street, there was, this, there was a store where you could go thrifting. And it was in a basement. It, it was massive, too. And it was called the Black Market. And you knew when you went to Black Market, you'd find something. Because it had everything. It doesn't exist anymore. And not because it shut down because people weren't buying. No, 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 no. The space got sold. So black market ceased to exist because there was only one. Mm -hmm. I would have preferred if black owned TO named itself either the black market, which would have been hilarious for anyone who's ever shopped on the store on Queen Street. Cause they would have been yep. like, oh, this is the same place. <laughs> cause it, cause, because of what I'm thinking. Cause I grew up in Toronto. Great name. Or Great it could have been, or it could have been called the marketplace. It could have, you could have played off of, you could have played off of like, you know how you shop amongst your peers? You could have called it peer marketplace, marketplace peer. You could have actually played off of ways so to talk many. about what it is. Because when you think about it, ultimately you, you it is a marketplace. You could have literally called it, you could have literally called it something abstract, like black giraffe. No, no. And it would have sold. Is, what I'm saying is they're actually like, when you think about what it actually is, Black owned TO is a marketplace because it's multiple businesses under one umbrella, oh, which is course, a marketplace. So course. it's like the fancy thing of calling St. Lawrence Market, where you can go get your seafood and you also can eat there and get a sandwich yep, and get example. fruit and do this. It's vendors. Vendors is like a marketplace. A market. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you could have taken that name and you actually could have, if you want, you can throw black in there and you could call, you could have called it. The black marketplace. You could have called, called it, it Noir anything. Marketplace. You, so Marketplace yep. Noir. Yeah, you could call it that, you could, or or you could just call it noir black. <laughs> you could have just done that. Something and, and interesting, I, and it would have had all these cool things because ultimately, what it is is that it went from a digital space of being an online marketplace, which is what it is, black owned TO, to a physical brick and mortar store. But it is still a marketplace, and I actually think, like, if you wanted to have black owned TO somewhere in there, what you actually could have done is had like the bags that they use to package your items. You could have had like the name of the actual store, the marketplace, or, or yeah. whatever it is, and then underneath it, it could have said, "You could have said black owned TO," like on a thing for the bag, or it could have been done in small doses where it's something where it's still there, but it's not in your face. Because what you want to be in your face is the stuff you're selling. But 
That's what I think. And we we had this conversation earlier, actually, where me and you, I just remembered it, and it was on this on this podcast, where me and you both said that, like, when you have a store that's already catered towards Black people, a barbershop, a hair salon, mm-hmm. a Caribbean or African food store, or Caribbean or African grocery store, and you labeled it Black-owned, doesn't matter, because only Black people are going to shop here regardless. It's already catered. But when you have a law firm, an investment firm, a mortgage agency, and you label it Black-owned, you just pigeonhole you. I don't understand that. Like, there's so many Asian and Indian-owned law firms and investment firms, but you wouldn't know unless you walk in. Yeah. And the they funny thing is, the to, whole point... And that's what I always say. A lot of times when we try... The whole point is to get people over tried, the threshold of your store. When it comes to shopping... From working in like merchandising and on shopping, you need to be able to get the person over the threshold of your store, but you have to capture their intention within three to five seconds to make them actually stay. And then you have to continue to impress them to make them buy something. So it's an entire yep. experience. So if you can't even get people through the front door, that's where the problem lies. If no one is walking in, money is not being spent and you are not making anything and you're in the red instead of being in the black. And yep, yep, I I agree with you completely. And we it's have this an, it's an amazing, but it's an amazing concept. Like I've actually been on BlackOwnedTo. Like I've been on the website because there were things I saw that I, I wanted. There's stuff on there that I want to get because there's one particular can. This girl who makes these candles that I'm obsessed with. I have no intention of burning them. They're like yeah, the female shape. Um, and then from Brampton, also, I know what you're talking about. She makes the Scarborough the, candles and all of that. The, they're like they're in the female shape. And then there's this other girl who makes candles that I actually would burn. Her name is like Janine something. I follow her on Instagram. But she makes she hand pours all of her candles. Like I want to purchase them. I'm not going to go all the way to Scarborough, to be honest with you. If Black Owned Teal still has their website, I'll buy it off of that because it's actually easier for me to get it shipped. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I think it's such a great concept to create a marketplace to curate where you can have all these cool things. It literally is the real, that's why I said it's like the real life version of Etsy. Only difference is here in Toronto. It is. And I think that that's actually amazing. I just don't know if the, I don't know if the name is going to work out or if they're going to have to rebrand later. So let me, let me re-ask you this question so we can talk about this before we get out of here. Okay. Now, the issue is is that the black community doesn't support the black community. It's not so much mm-hmm. about anybody else not supporting us because every community supports their own. Most mm-hmm. Jewish people, as you've told me this, most Jewish people that you've worked with, they do ev- all of their shopping in the Jewish community, whether it's grocery, whether it's shopping for wh- whether it's shopping for a mortgage agent up and down their whole life. They can do everything in the Jewish community. Most Asian people can do everything in the Asian community. Most South Asian people that I grew up around, they do everything in the South Asian brown community. community. We're the only ones that don't do that. And it's not that there are not black mortgage agents, or it's not that there are not black bankers, or there are not black black investor professionals, or there are not black, there are all these things. I think a lot of things is we don't own a business that's like that while mm-hmm. in the south asian community you will see a south asian mortgage mortgage consulting place i should say sorry losing my words you would see a south asian mortgage consulting place it wouldn't be labeled south asian a lot of times it's not even that big a lot of times it's some tamil or some indian guy working out of his house but his people support him and then eventually in 10 years he buys the business right we're not right. doing the same thing but so the issue becomes that we don't support our business, our businesses. And I guess the issue around that was the fact that 
we don't know where our businesses are. Other than obviously the businesses I mentioned, which are the black food and barbershop businesses, we definitely support those. But outside of the food and the barbershops, the, the overwhelming thing was, well, we don't know where they are. We don't know where they are. We don't know they exist. And that was where this came about, right? Now, do you think that outside of the food and barbershops and hair salons, do you think that we need to be labeling things black owned? Do you feel like that actually pigeonholes us in the no. long run from um, getting money? I don't think that we need to label it black owned. I don't know what, what it being black owned has to do with any of the services I have to offer you. Do, do, you, do you think that that actually pigeonholes other races from coming to, uh, because, okay, where I live, right across, there's an Indian grocery. I know it's yeah. an Indian grocery because it's labeled Indian Bazaar. The majority of Indian people go there, but they don't have an Indian-owned thing on the front. So, therefore, I don't usually go there. I'll go to the regular grocery store. Right. But if I need something real quick, I'll walk in there. I have no issue, yeah. with it, right? I don't but, think that it, I don't think you should have to label it because what does what does it being black owned have to do with the services that you're offering? It doesn't change anything. I don't think it's necessary to do that. It's not like you go to a place and it says own Italian owned, Korean owned, Japanese owned. You just know. You just, you just know. know. You, don't have you, to just know. you just know. There's, I don't think there's any reason to actually say it. I think that I think that's ridiculous too. And, and I think and I think the, the whole point of of Black Toronto being an Etsy you don't have to label it at all because you can exactly. literally put it up on you can put it up on Black Toronto. Yeah. And therefore, you don't have to put the black-owned site in in front of your window. It's like yeah. it's, it's 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 like as if people in Toronto are trying to become LA during the LA where they put up black-owned, so the business would <laughs> yeah. get smashed. You know, but, it's funny, and it's like I guess my question to you is: Do you think that making it black-owned defers other races from therefore purchasing your your products or coming into your shop, and therefore when these businesses close down? Do you think it's something that we are doing to ourselves due to just bad marketing as a whole? Yeah, I think it's, uh, yes, I do. I was also going to say that I understand when you like purchase a product from somewhere and like I've done this on like my channel where I'll tell people like I bought this from here and I will say it's a black owned company, but that's because I'll list it down below, but I only mention it at the beginning. Yeah. If I buy from a company that is somewhere else, I'll say, yeah, this is owned by this girl who's from the Netherlands, or this is owned by this person who's from here. I'll list the country they're actually from. But that's because I'm putting it in a video and people don't like to read when they're in videos. See the reference I'm trying to make here? Mm. It is completely different to vocalize it if you know that a person is going to have a much harder time either wanting to go click on your down bar and click on that link, but you say what it is and have it across the screen. That's different. But when it comes to marketing yourself as an actual marketplace, I do not think it needs to say black owned at all. I think that the products itself, the products and the marketing should speak for itself. You should not have to say that because you're, you're not selling it being black owned. You're selling, you're selling the stuff. You, you, you want, you want to know what the bare bones of this is. And I'll, and I'll end it off with this, right? I'll end it off with this. And I hope you guys really enjoy this episode in our new segment that we have to run down these topics. I like it still, but you know what it really is with the situation, and DM Cool said this actually. So I don't want to. I want to mm-hmm. quote him. I don't. I, I can't quote him, but I'll paraphrase what he said basically. But um, he said it's on his podcast, I believe. But what he basically said was the fact of um. Let me get it right. Um, what he said was the fact of black people. We as black people are always having in-house conversations with the world. 
And he was specifically referencing when we get on major television stations, and we explain this, America's the media and Black people are the tastemakers. Mm -hmm. So when Black people bring their issues to the media, they don't realize it's being adopted by everybody, but whatever the case is, right? When Mm -hmm. we go on major networks and television stations, whether it be CNN or Fox or wherever it may be, and we're having conversations about light skin, dark skin, good hair, bad hair. We're having conversations about you have a bunch of black women who come on television and take a small percentage of black men that live in their hood that they've Mm -hmm. chose to date and make a large assumption and say all black men are in jail or gay or don't have education when that's not the case. The vast majority of black people, men and women have education and are being more educated year and year since slavery. There's more black people being educated Mm -hmm. every single year. The numbers are not declining. Um, Or you'll have black men that come on and do the same thing, right? And what he was saying is a lot of times we have in-house conversations that other races have in-house, but we always have them for everyone to hear, right? And you see this. I didn't know about the skin bleaching in South Asian community, and I grew up in in an area that was heavily populated by South Asians. I didn't know about that until I got to, to social media. I didn't know about East Asians widening their eyes. So, you know what I'm trying to say? And yeah. I think I think when it comes to the Black-owned conversation, mm-hmm. I think a lot of this is an in-house conversation. When you said you were having the conversation and you brought it up on the podcast, that's why I'm bringing it up, uh, with your Jewish coworker, and they were saying that they do everything in the Jewish community or whatever the case may be, they don't... That's not something that's broadcasted on television. That's either something that's done in the Jewish community through word of mouth, or maybe right. the Jewish community has their own website set up that I'm not privy to, as I shouldn't be, and that's my point, right? Yeah. But they have a way of knowing exactly where all of their stuff is in their community through some sort of networking system that they have, whether it's word of mouth, whether it's the synagogue, whether it's some sort of FC Black Toronto situation, but Jewish Toronto. Yeah. But I don't know about it. I shouldn't know about it. They get it done. They spend money in their community. Asians have the same thing. Everyone has the same thing. Why is it with us? This has to be non-in-house conversation. This whole conversation should be in-house. Black Toronto should have been something that was created, that black people knew about. It, there's no reason why it needed to be marketed on CTV as it was. Because I remember when it came out, it was all over CTV and Global. There's no reason mm-hmm. for that. Should have been something that was marketed towards black people. We should have been there. We should have had not only black businesses, but everything you need. From black doctors to black. Remember when we had the Black Toronto group that we're in yes. on, on Facebook and they started to do that, but then it always turned to ratchetness? That's yeah. what we should have had. Some sort of website where you as a black person could go through it and say, okay, do I want food? Do I want this? Do I want financial help? Do I want, is this for house? Is this for medical? Do I want a doula? Do I want this? And you can go and you can see a list of black professionals and all it should have is their name, their business name, their location, their email address, their phone number, a little bit about them and how to contact them. And you should be able to pick the one that's closest to you, read a little bio and pick. Why does everything have to be out of house? This should be all you know, of this in-house they- conversation. I actually think that there was a directory that was created. I remember seeing it, and I can't remember what it's called. No, I'm sure there and was. It's just the fact I that don't Black know if Toronto was no, no, I'm just programmed saying, I don't on even, CTV right, Global. I, no, I'm just saying, I don't know if it's actually even still around, because I remember when it came up, I actually went to the actual website, and the way, what you just spoke about, it had from 
beauty to a mechanic, to a doctor, to a dentist, to a, like a, a personal training, to um, optometrist. It had pretty much every single field you could possibly think of. If you needed a carpenter, if you needed somebody who was an electrician, a plumber, it actually had that. And when you clicked on it, it showed you where everybody was located. It had their phone number and it had like a blurb about what they've been doing. And if they had a website, you could actually click on it and it hyperlinked to another site to show you where they were or if they had a Facebook page or whatever it was. I can't remember if it was called the Black Directory or something like that, but I believe it did exist. But then Black Owned TO literally took that over. And now I don't even know if that directory is still around. Now that you just said that, that just triggered my memory. And I'm talking about black people, not just in Canada, but just across across the West, I should say, but specifically in Canada, control the controllables, right? But that's what yeah. we should do. Like all this, none of this needs. Why is it every single time we have to do something, everybody has I to know. know about it? It's like it's like, it's like it's like it's like it's like everybody has to know where the army's going. What's the army's next move? It's like let's just move in silence. That's what I'm trying to say. Move it, in did, it did exist because when you went onto it, you put in your postal code, and it brought up all the people closest to you. And it actually was pretty cool. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it actually was really cool. Um, but like I said, Black Owned TO pretty much took that over. I don't know if the directory is still up. If I manage to Move find it and it's silence. still alive, that'd be amazing. And that, that page but, should be synonymous. There should be a Facebook group for that page that's similar to Black Toronto, but obviously better. There should be an Instagram page for that group. Like move in silence not everything has to be and don't don't mind who started the website or who's getting the money off it it was their idea take it from me let them get the money but we need to move in silence i agree with you. i think we don't move in silence it's everything has to be out there in the open everything has to be known everything has to be public public knowledge for everybody it has to be very loud i know move in silence man just move in silence there should be some sort of network where we can get the information around without everybody having to know I agree. Like I said, I love the idea. I think it's a great idea. It reminds me of Same. Italy. It reminds me of St. Lawrence Market. I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's a great idea. It's a great, great idea, idea. concept. It's amazing. I just think that the name doesn't need to be there because if it, if it pigeonholes, like I said, we're not a large percentage of the population. Eventually, it's just going to be the black people who live in the area of Scarborough who are even close by who are going to even go there to this place. Or you're going to find it after the first and quarter. And mall, mall rent is mall hot. rent is steep. Oh my god, that's what I'm saying. If I don't, I don't, the first I don't quarter, mind you, mind you, mind you. I don't know if they're going to be taking the money that they get off of the Black Toronto website and kind of adding that to it as well. So it might last due 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 to both of those entities, the website and the frontal store. But we'll see. I obviously want it to last, but we'll see. But yeah, that's all I had for today. Back again in two weeks. I actually didn't have a clap of the month for this one. I think I had one in the last. That's okay. Episode, so we're good on that. I'm we're sure somebody will come up that you want to call a clap. Anyway, as usual, guys, please don't forget to like this video, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you guys know when we actually upload. Of course, if you are listening Apple Podcasts, please rate this because that definitely helps us out. And if you're on Spotify, same deal. Leave a review. All that jazz helps us, and we definitely appreciate you. And we love that you guys come back and listen. Bye. <laughs> Bye, guys.